Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 34 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to. Dave, the Alcadron Vader, how are you holding up there, buddy? Are you, are you staying warm? I am not staying warm. <laughs> I... <laughs> Do, do you guys remember in July when I was like, I'm doing great, but my house is like 80 degrees because I don't have a functioning HVAC system. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I guess who still doesn't have a functioning HVAC system, and now it's like 3 degrees outside. That uh, sounds fantastic. Yeah. I'm, guessing yeah, it's, it's, I'm guessing it's you. I'm guessing it's that was a rhetorical a, question. It's not ideal. I am <laughs> suffering. And, yeah, uh, it, is, it is cold. Yeah. Yeah, I like people have been contractors have been in and out of my house for the last like six months, literally like trying to fix this, trying to make it work. And like part of it is that just like the the system that was here and like the the structure of the house is very like unwelcoming to HVAC systems in general. It's just a everything about it is a massive pain. Right. And also a little bit the contractors I'm working with are just kind of not great at their job i think <laughs> so like awesome. yeah no it's just been a struggle in like every different way and i'm like parts of the house are vaguely kind of warm-ish but i am suffering oh i'm sorry to hear that being cold is miser- miserable i would much rather be warm than cold i would i would rather be cold because i've got like i'm in i'm in the room i'm in right now is about 54 degrees but i have lots of blankets like I'm laying on a couch with blankets, so I'm fine. I just don't. I want. I would rather not have to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd rather not be inconvenienced by, by that. That's if, a lot of I, work. If I have to choose between the 54 degree room and like the 80 degree room, I'll choose the 54 degree room. <laughs> but like, can That's fair. I would I would love it if like 70 were an option. Yeah, True. 68, 72, somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah, like anywhere in there, I'd be I'd be happy. <laughs> Well, I, I feel for you. Believe me, I do. I know how it is. But next up, let's move on to our resident PDH PhD, Liam. How's it going? Are you staying warm or are you, are you suffering too? So I found out that my downstairs neighbor actually likes the cold, which okay. normally wouldn't like affect me because why would mm-hmm. how he keeps his, his temperature affect me? Uh, except the fact that I was banking on him heating his apartment and and the natural <laughs> heat rising to keep my saving you some money to save me some money, um, right. which is is not the case because apparently when when the owners of the building offered to take his window unit out in October, he said, "No, thank you." <laughs> so he's a madman, um, but but you know what what are you gonna do? Uh, yeah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> so I'm a little sad that my heating bill went up, but that's that's fine, I guess. It, it's what you have to do when you're adulting. Yeah, uh, yeah, the the bills of adulthood. But yeah, that, that's that's how I'm doing. Good deal, good deal. I think we're gonna talk about some new cards this week, but we gotta do some housekeeping first, as usual. And uh, if you like the show and you like what what we're doing here, you like what you're listening to, check us out over on Patreon at patreon.com/slash/thePDHPod. We've got a nice little PDH family growing over there and would absolutely love it 
if you were to be part of it. Uh, as a patron of the show, you get access to the pre-show, which is usually you know a little short recording of us catching up for the week, setting up the show notes, that sort of thing. Uh, this week it was Liam shilling for Dragon Shield, so you don't want to miss that. Okay. It was awesome. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Get, and, and you said short, but it was an hour this week, and it was an hour last it week. Was. <laughs> it's like a whole other podcast episode. That's true. You get a second <laughs> podcast every week for being a patron, a less structured podcast. Uh, but as a patron, you also get access to the episodes before they go live, usually the night before, the evening before, something like that. And then finally, you get access to the PDH Pod Discord, where you can chat with Dave and Liam and I. You can ch- chat with the other patron members, get uh, deck help, just chit chats, whatever, whatever you want to talk about, whatever comes up. It's always a good time over there. And then uh, check us out over on YouTube. We're just the PDH Pod over there as well. We're going to work on some video content this year, and uh, eventually all the audio podcast will end up there too for those of you that like that sort of thing and then okay now that the house has been officially kept liam it sounds like mr gavin gave us the inside scoop about how the game is going to change forever yeah um so for those who remember uh i want to say about a month ago mark rosewater went on his blog and answered a question of uh we heard that Phyrexia, all we want is going to change magic forever. Does that mean design-wise or story-wise? Or what does that mean? And his answer was yes. Or you'll just have to wait and see. And then that pissed the other off. Uh, but <laughs> then we saw the new Atraxa, which is not a common, so I'm not going to go into terribly much what it does, but it talks about a new card type, uh, Battle, mm-hmm. which people originally thought was, well, it's just a renamed tribal mechanic because tribal doesn't appear on the card. Uh, and then the old rules manager and the new rules manager both clarified that, no, no, tribal is still a cud type. Battle is just a new cud type. Mm-hmm. And then everyone got confused. Uh, and then spoiler season confu- con- concluded and everyone got more confused because we didn't see any battles. Um, yeah, we saw zero battle cards. <laughs> so so that was that was what everyone thought was going to happen. Uh, but then Gavin Verhey made a YouTube video. Uh, which he does quite frequently. But in this particular mm-hmm. YouTube video, he talks about getting one-off mechanics and sets, uh, which I'm going to say is, in my opinion, two years late because I don't know if y'all remember back to the good old set of Magic Core Set 2019. Mm-hmm. And in that spoiler season, there was a Nicol Bolas card that was spoiled. And it was the only card in the set that transformed. And everyone's response at the time in, uh, uh, I guess it would have been, that, was that 2018? Magic Core Set 2019? Yeah, it was. In in yeah. 2018, everyone's response at the time was, what the <laughs> hell, Wizards? Why is there one Transform <laughs> card in the set? Uh-huh. Uh, and their response was, we're going to play around with putting one-off mechanics in sets, and we'll let you know how it goes. Five years later. And then I think it happened again in a set like a year and a half after that. But it was like a commando set. And Wizards was like, hey, look, we put this one card in there. And everyone was like, but it's a commando set. We don't care. We yeah, it doesn't shit. matter. It yeah. happens in commando sets. It's fine. Um, right. And then radio silence on it. Like complete radio silence. Yeah. And then we get Phyrexia All Will Be One. And there's a flashback card, which isn't anything weird because flashback is a fairly common mechanic. Um, but there was one flashback card. It was viral spawning. Um, right. And then there was one battle cry card and it's uh ria evil the uh, white black signpost rare legend oh, i was so excited when i saw that too i thought it was coming back as um, a set mechanic Ugh. and then 
there was affinity, which we all know affinity, but it only appeared mm -hmm. on three cards, and only one of them was affinity for artifacts. The other two was affinity for equipment, which yeah, specifically are artifacts, but specifically equipment. So, mm -hmm. really, this is the first time that we've seen this this idea of of one off mechanics appearing in sets. And Wizard Gavin's comment, I'm going to paraphrase. I don't know his exact wording. Uh, was that this is going to happen more often, more frequently. Uh, and in upcoming sets, we will see it. And then Mark Rosewater made, as a, a passing comment on one of his recent Drive to Works uh, podcasts, that these mechanics are getting redefined. So these aren't evergreen mechanics. These aren't trample and uh, death flying touch and, and flying stuff, and life. Right. Like, these aren't evergreen mechanics. Uh, but they're not quite deciduous like food and treasure mm -hmm. uh, although treasure might be evergreen i, I feel like it's deciduous though <laughs> it's um, pretty close yeah um but deciduous just means it's close to evergreen it will be in more standard sets uh than other mechanics but it won't be in everyone so deciduous means like two out of the four standard sets in a year you're going to see a card that says blank on it and with and this is the storm scale right uh one through ten one being evergreen two being deciduous uh, but Mark yeah. Rosewater kind of made a passing comment about his storm scale saying these mechanics are going to be the new definition of a three. So a three is like mechanics they really, really like that they want to bring back. They just need to make sure it makes mechanical sense for the limited environment. Uh, flashback sure. has been a three multiple times. Cycling is a three. Um, so like just, just finding the right spot for it uh, in sets. And so they've redefined this three as it's no longer just finding the right spot for it putting it where it makes sense. If 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 a mechanic like flashback or cycling does what they want to do on one or two cards in a set, they will just put flashback or cycling on the card. For instance, in Streets of New Capenna, the shard set, the, the three-color shard set that came after the three-color wedge set of Akoria, where we got triomes in Akoria and people wanted the shard versions of them, they mm -hmm. were the only cards in Capenna that had cycling on them which is fine, right? And and Wizards realized, you know, they, they put those in there as a test. Like, that was part of Gavin's thing. Is like, hey, this is a test. We're going to see if, you know, magic burns down around it or if it's fine. And the conclusion was, <laughs> turns out players like it. Um, yeah, so, it turns out it's okay. <laughs> turns out it's okay. Uh, so, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, this is something we're going to see more often. And I think that's kind of really cool. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. There's um, yeah. some really cool mechanics and, that I'd like to see, like... And there's, yeah. con there's concerns from a design standpoint that's going to up the complexity of magic if there's like one flashback card in a set, but they can just put reminder text and it's fine. Yeah, I, I think it'll be fine. <laughs> I, I, I think it will be fine. Yeah, as long as they don't overdo it, which obviously which, uh, the last few years have been indication of that, they will not overdo it. But. Yeah, like, like in this particular set, there are five one-off mechanic cards. One flashback, mm -hmm. one battle cry, three affinity. That's fine. Right. They could they probably yeah, could have done, that's, that's they, probably, they probably could have done like twenty and it would have been fine. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I Yeah, as long as like, you know, we don't have this set and then the next set comes out and we're like, oh, it's another flashback set. You know, as long as they don't overdo it, I think it'd yeah. be totally fine. As long as it's not like a, a a horizon set or a time spiral set where like every <laughs> card has a different mechanic on it. Okay. Yeah. But like yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it'll be fine. It'll be okay. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, with that out of the way, I think we're going to move on to the main topic, which is our all will be one set review. We are probably like the millionth podcast to do that this week, but ours is the best. And you know that that's why you're listening to us. But before. 
That is right. We're doing it from the best format standpoint. But before, before we get to the actual cards, uh, I think we need to touch on the mechanics a little bit. We've got a couple new ones uh, that are just sort of new takes on classic ones, sort of fan favorite ones. Like, uh, Dave, I think you're a fan of Four Mirrodin, exclamation point. It's true. I, I really like the Four Mirrodin ability. That, that sounded like an invitation to talk about it. I'm going to talk about sure. it. Four yes, Mirrodin is uh, the new ability. It's sort of like a callback to Living Weapon. The living weapon was the first time this this ability really appeared. It was a, an equipment that, when the equipment enters the battlefield, it creates a token creature, and then the equipment attaches itself to that creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, this started out with the living weapon ability, and it was uh, it started out as Phyrexians, and the creature tokens that they created were these zero zero germ tokens that wielded the the equipment for you and so like that was sort of an interesting take on it because if you moved the equipment away the creature would die like all of these living weapons things were were the source of that creature's toughness so um we've had a couple other takes on this like there was a there's a card a while ago called ancestral blade which is just a plus one plus one equipment that auto attached to a little one one soldier token that was pretty Mm -hmm. pretty cool uh now we have this four mirrodin ability which creates a 2-2 red rebel. And that's that's interesting for two reasons. First of all, 2-2 is kind of big for this. So like we're seeing equipment. It is. If you're looking just at the, the cost of the equipment and the, the, the equip cost of it, you're going to think, man, that, all that stuff is really high for that. It comes with a moderate-sized body. Mm-hmm. Like there's a card called uh, Mirin Bardish, which, you know, you're looking at the equipment part. It gives the creature plus two, plus one in vigilance. That means that when you cast it, you have a 4-3 Vigilant creature, and that is why it costs 5 mana. And then later, if the creature dies, you can spend some mana to move your plus 2, plus 1 in Vigilance equipment onto something else. So you do get a lot of value out of this. The other thing I think is really, really cool about this is that thematically, in the story of All Will Be One, you have this, you know, tyrannical, oppressive regime in the form of Phyrexians, and you have holdout Mirin resistance fighters, which are, by every definition of the word, rebels. Right. Which is an interesting place for magic to be, because magic has, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, magic sort of co-opted this this creature-type rebel into meaning a very specific culture on the plane of uh, Mercadia. Mm-hmm. And they all had this sort of intrinsic ability where you could use, you could, a lot of them they they found each other. They helped each other out. The the rebels yeah. could tutor for other rebels. And really so, cool decks came out of that stuff. Very cool decks. Lin Sivy is really interesting. Uh, I do love the rebel tutoring as an ability. Uh, but it, it's always been a little weird to me that that's tied to the creature type of rebels, because that yeah. felt like <laughs> it felt like the idea of rebellion was much broader than this one culture of Cho Aram people trapped under Mercadia. <laughs> and so like now now we're finally coming back to that idea where like you know magic wants to include creatures that are typed rebel here but that type carries some extra baggage with it in that these cards are now eminently tutorable with a bunch of 25 year old Mercadian masks cards which is a little awkward which i think i think this four mirrodin equipment thing is a beautiful like uh sort of workaround there where you mm-hmm. can create creatures that are rebels, but the equipment isn't a rebel, so you can't rebel tutor the equipment right. into play. But you still yep, have these cards. Say. 
you still have these cards that are rebels, and you're still sort of like very clearly representing this rebel force, this rebel faction, without the burden of 25-year-old rules interaction overhead. So, um, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So that's and the, all, all the art's very like angry too. Like it's very it's very good art. They did they depicted a lot of that pretty well. Yeah, bunch of terrific cards there on the on the on the four mirrored yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. I'm kind of excited about that one. Mm-hmm. And then the one that's got everybody talking obviously is Toxic. It's coming back. It's a um, I've heard it referred to as a safer infect. Uh, Liam, do you think you could explain it a little bit better than that? Yeah. Toxic is going to be one of those keywords that has a number attached to it. So it's going to be like Toxic 1, Toxic 2, or even up to Toxic 6. Uh, And what Toxic Mm -hmm. is, is whenever the creature deals combat damage to a player, they get that many poison counters where the number is the Toxic number. Uh, I find this to be a much safer infect because let's say you had a 1-1 with infect attacking you, and you let through and then your opponent uses three giant growths on it. You're dead. Um, You're dead. <laughs> now, you know, the the one, I would say the one upside of being attacked with an infect creature is the damage is dealt to you in the form of poison counters. You don't mm-hmm. lose life for being hit with an infect creature. Infect, yep. But 10 poison counters loses you the game. Uh, the toxic right. mechanic, you take regular combat damage equal to the power of the creature and then you get a number of poison counters equal to its toxic number which the vast majority of toxic in the set is one or two uh but like i said yeah, there's, a, there's, a to- there's a toxic six so you know it, it yeah and they spoiled get... that one pretty early in the season yeah. and i was like oh my god is this the bar like are they, are they just going to keep cranking out fives and six and seven it, it was the bar um <laughs> yeah. so that's the good news um but and here's the important thing, multiple instances of toxic stack. So if you have toxic two on a creature and then you give it toxic one, if you connect with an opponent, they get three poison counters, two from yep. one trigger, a third from another trigger. Similar then, to poison from forever ago or poisonous. Correct. Poisonous ago. from forever ago. But yeah, it's 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 all that. There's some more rules minutia that I need to familiarize myself with before this weekend because I feel like I read somewhere that like if you have an ability that says if you would get if an opponent would get one more counters whatever uh, and you would deal multiple instances of toxic to them they only get one extra poison counter or something I I don't quote me on that exactly I need to read oh, the rules okay. minutia and and understand that interaction better but I I will get back to you next week with that I will have an actual answer for you next week in Magic on that. Uh, write that note down, Liam. But yeah, there's there's this weird toxic mechanic that is it's got a leg up on infect in some ways, and in other ways it's a leg down. So you know, right? You, it's you, not as you explosive. can't yeah you can't toxic you can't giant growth your toxic six creature to deal nine poison counters. It only does six poison counters no matter how much actual combat damage it deals. But the plus Regardless, side is yep. the plus side is you get combat damage and poison counters. Which I actually like because, you know, uh, kind of what uh, what Dave was saying a, a, a week or two ago, where at the New Phyrexia pre-release people would mess up and, you know, attack you with infect creatures, but couldn't get anywhere near close to 10. And so you just had free life gain. Mm-hmm. I, I like this balancing a little bit better. I also really like that. These things that are going to do poison damage and health damage at the same time. Yes. I think that's going to create, it's going to create a limited environment that is going to be a lot less hostile to new players. Yes. Like that was that was the thing that we saw a lot in, you know, the Mirrored and Besieged 
limited meta is that new players were just getting absolutely savagely pub stomped because they didn't yeah. they weren't balancing <laughs> the infect versus the regular damage well and uh it was it was a very frustrating experience for a lot of them like having having this other thing where like you can you know if you have a great creature that has tough toxic and it's your only toxic card like that's fine it'll still do regular damage like you can just have that amongst your other cards and if you if you have a creature that doesn't do toxic damage and you still want to run that cuz it synergizes with something else like it's it's going to be a lot less punishing yep so and yeah. and, yep. and in addition to that the the toxic really plays well with another mechanic in the set corrupted because yeah. mm -hmm. because you know like dave said maybe you only have one or two really good toxic creatures and you know you're not getting a 10 poison counters well the toxic is actually okay because of this corrupted mechanic uh, corrupted is right. is something stapled onto a lot of cards that gives them extra abilities depending on the card type they are. Um, it's like a threshold almost. It's it's like threshold. So corrupted is uh, your card gains this ability if you, your opponent has three or more poison counters. Mm -hmm. And it, in multiplayer, only one opponent needs three poison counters. They they all don't need three poison counters. Yeah, it's just checking for yeah, one. And what opponent. I like about that too is like kind of like Dave was saying, you know, in the limited environment or sealed environment, what have you, even in standard maybe you don't have to build a toxic deck you don't have to build a you know quote unquote yep. infect deck you can just build a corrupted deck like Throw my goal is toxic, to get you yeah. three counters and then all my, all cards my get power powder. comes out yep yeah yep. uh but yeah so you'll find you'll find corrupted as like activated abilities on lands you'll find it as static abilities on like artifacts and enchantments uh some instances and sorceries uh have effects that get better or replace what they do if the, if you, your opponents are corrupted um mm -hmm. overall it's a fairly solid mechanic i think it gives poison more use outside yet you know it gives it gives poison something to do besides get to 10 because that's, yes. that's a fairly linear Absolutely. and boring game plan versus mm -hmm. you know th this also opens up a lot of poison decks and i hope to see corrupted in the next set as well because it opened up a lot of poison decks it's in a lot of different yeah. formats because mm -hmm. it, you know it gives you a game plan besides get to 10 like yeah you know you still have the you have the option to eliminate opponents after 10 poison counters but what if, you know, 30% of your deck got a power boost because your one opponent had three poison counters? Like, okay. Right. <laughs> um, so um, I, I, I kind of hope to see Corrupted in, in the next set in uh, March of Machines just to continue to, to round out the mechanic a bit. Yeah, same here. So uh, if you're listening to this show on your way to the LGS on Friday for some pre-release, let us know how it goes. Let us know how Toxic plays out. Uh, and then lastly, a big fan favorite that's returning is Proliferate. I'm a huge fan. I don't think I know anyone that's not a fan of Proliferate on some level. So super excited about that. It seems like they stapled it onto just a ton of cards. And oh, yeah. <laughs> that's going to play out to be a lot of fun. Like, I don't know how well or um, how relevant Toxic is going to be in Popper Commander, but Proliferate, that will definitely be impactful, I think. I am excited about that. There wasn't a ton of cards, maybe one or two cards in this set that I would consider for the Popper Cube, mm, but that's okay. We don't need, I don't need to make cuts and additions every single time a set comes out. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to add about the mechanics or anything before we got into the uh, meat and taters of the show? Uh, we did miss one mechanic, and that is the oil counters. You'll find oil counters, you'll find oil counters oh, on a lot of stuff the in the set. Um, yep, that's it. <sighs> I don't know how to describe it besides it's kind of like the buildup of the set. It, they, they, they did not want to put plus one plus one counters in this set uh, for various reasons with, with proliferate and just because it doesn't feel very Phyrexian to do plus one plus one counters. Right. So the, the oil, oil counters kind of fill that role, which 
I feel like they do a lot better job yeah. at the the rares and mythics than they do at the commons and uncommons. Because at the rare and mythics, it feels like over time your cards get stronger. And at the commons and uncommons, it's like, we have a better version of this card you know, five years ago. Like, this card's garbage. Um, yeah, like, 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 like yeah, the oil counters just yeah, make exactly. the card objectively worse. Because they require oil counters to be good. And there's a good version of the card from five years ago. So it's like... I don't, mm-hmm. there's not a lot to do with oil counters at right. the common rarity. I agree, but it does seem like, uh, it's very on flavor. It does seem like a cool exactly. mechanic, just that not a lot we can do with it. I, I think it's going to be really fun yes. drafting. hundred percent. I think there's, I think there's going to yeah, be some really absolutely. powerful, like drafted oil decks that you can, you can come up with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think that it's, it's yeah. such a blue, black oil. That'd be awesome. I want to, I kind of want to do red, green oil, honestly. Yeah. And there's like some, like. Uh, artifact like a oil vat or something like you you uh basically empty it out of oil and you can bring back a creature from your graveyard with mana value equal to the oil counters or something like that like that's so yeah. like dripping with flavor it, it's awesome excellent use of the word dripping <laughs> uh quick <Okay. laughs> quick recap i hate phyrexia same let's get that out of the way uh <laughs> yeah. in case you missed yeah. last week <laughs> um yeah but uh I think I think oil is going to be very cool and limited. I think it's such a parasitic mechanic that it's going to really, really mm-hmm. just. I mean, I hate to use the word awful. I think it's just going to be straight up awful in our <laughs> PDH. But I, I mean, so yeah. this this is something that I I have this in the notes like for later. But I think that like now is probably a great place to put it. I'll be totally honest. I thought the exact same thing like two years ago when they printed Kalane. <laughs> Kalane is the the Rakdos two mana one two that gives you a treasure on uh-huh. etb and she says the rest of your creatures get plus one plus one counters for each treasure you spent to cast them when they first mm-hmm. printed that card i was like that's a really cool idea but it's so parasitic like there's only you know 20 different treasure cards in those colors like it's not enough to to make her actually function as a commander so like i'm gonna ignore right. her like she's not very good two years later she's a powerhouse she is yeah little did she you is know. thick as hell and she is going to deliver like the ass whoopings because they they've given us so much treasure that like she's yeah. now she's now completely and i was kind of I, I was kind of like uh, along the same lines you were and then i think it was whales that brought it was the first time i played against Kalane. Uh, i think whales brought your version of the deck could be. And I was like, oh, okay, let's let's see what this does. And then it just whooped all of our asses. Yeah, it goes <laughs> she goes so big. And like I was like, what is happening? What's wild is that like you you like you can't even stop it by killing yeah. her. Like you the deck wants uh-uh, her to die can't. so that you can recast her and get more treasures and make more things bigger. It's it's like it's yeah. wild. Like it's it's such a playing against it is a, a powerful exercise in threat assessment. Because like yeah. you you need to kill it is a all really of cool it. Commander. Yeah, she's super fun. Two years ago, I would I would have told you that Kalane is unplayable, uh, and that you shouldn't shouldn't worry about her. But then they gave us so much more treasure. Now she's saturated. She's just drowning in treasures. You have your choice of which treasure cards you want to run. I I I think that some of these oil commanders might turn into the same thing where like right now oil is brand new our options are extremely limited and so i'm gonna i'm gonna sit here in this podcast in february 2023 and i'm gonna tell you these are bad commanders they're not gonna work they don't have the support at common don't worry about them right and like it's possible that someone finds this in 2025 and goes 
there's 50 different oil cards in red green <laughs> alcadron are you dumb what are you talking are you about some kind of idiot yeah. like oil is so good so, and he'll uh, be like uh yeah I'm okay <laughs> like all right start 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 preparing your harshly worded emails yes now. please i i accept yeah. i accept criticisms <laughs> as well as letter bombs uh send them to my twitter yeah. account <laughs> Perfect. Uh, all all criticisms sent to me require a fifty dollars processing fee. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean that's just inflation. I mean, that's just, <laughs> <it's> just... <laughs> oh, uh, really quick follow up to that. Um, I think. Yep. I don't know yet, but the same might be true of Toxic. So like, I feel like, I feel like Wizards has been doing this kind of like pendulum swing thing with poison counters for a long time. Like back way, way, way back in the day, our poison counter options were like Pit Scorpion and Marsh Viper, which are just mm -hmm. categorically embarrassing. And then yes. they were like, let's bring poison back, but strong. And they made infect. And that <laughs> I think we can all agree was kind of a mistake. And like Wizards is even Kinda. now Wizards is dialing that way back now to toxic. And like it is possible that they land on Toxic and think that this is the perfect middle ground and we're going to move forward with Toxic. And we might see Toxic mm -hmm. come back again and again and again, which would make cards like Necrogen Rot Priest really powerful. Or it's possible that this is the only time we ever get Toxic and that the next time we do something like this or the next time we do Poison Counters, it's a different keyword that works in a different way. Like like the Poisonous from the, the Slivers. Like it could go totally right. different direction and then uh, the cards like Necrogen Rot Priest will never get the support. It needs to be really powerful and it's just kind of going to languish. I don't know where, where some of these things are going to land. I know that right now... I think it's it's parasitic enough that it's going to be a great draft environment. It's currently looking really bad for PDH, and I'm super yeah. okay with that for now. And we'll we'll check back in with some of these mechanics in a year and see where we've landed. Yeah, and, and too, like what you were saying about the pendulum and them them finally revisiting poisonous or toxic or whatever. It, it's in a weird space, I think, because like toxic or poisonous, in fact, poison counters, whatever you want to call them. They're like one of the only mechanics that actually interact really well with a different mechanic, and that's proliferate. Mm -hmm. And they're never gonna they're never gonna not make proliferate mm -hmm. cards. It may be mm -hmm. another two years, but they're always gonna make proliferate cards, and that may make toxic, you know, from two two years prior, just that much better. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Like I do like where toxic is at. I like the mechanic. I like the the um, the seemingly uh, where it's at seemingly power wise, but I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah. Alrighty, alrighty. Looks like uh, Liam put in the show notes. We got a few cool reprints in the um, all will be one commander decks. We got Knight's Whisper and Loyal Apprentice. That's very nice, very nice. I can replace my my Xerox printed Loyal Apprentice. Finally, <laughs> I didn't even look at the commander decks. Are they like um, with DMU or Brothers of War or whatever? Like the gimmick was they are all old border and all this cool stuff. Did they do anything like that with with these, or is it just like? commander deck with set mechanics. um these two commander decks i just believe a commander decks with set mechanics it's a abzan toxic deck and a boros rebel deck cool yeah and that was the thing too that kind of caught a lot of people by surprise maybe not surprised but uh, invigorated if you will a lot of people is that selesnia is the color of toxic uh, i think it's abzan is the color of toxic right yeah is it abzan um because okay. yeah, because it's pretty cool I don't like that they keep doing this. I don't like that they keep forcing all 10 two-color pairs into a draft setting. Um, because it 
you end up with overlapping. You, you end up you end up with one of two things. Uh, either you end up with Kaldheim, where every two color pair is so vastly different from every other two color pair. Once you once you pick a color pair, you have to stick with it in draft. Um, or you end up with right. uh, what happened. Oh gosh, what was the other one that happened in recently? It wasn't. Let me go through them in order. It was uh, Eldraine, and then Theros, and then Ikoria, and then a core set. Oh, it happened! It happened in the D and D set. Um, the first, the AFR set, where it was two or three of the color combinations really cared about treasures, and then uh, two or three of the color combinations really cared about uh, adventuring. Like like uh, Azorius, Demir, and Orzov really loved adventuring, uh, but. But Rakdos yeah, and I want to say is it loved treasures. And so like they didn't really overlap well. So you end up with this set where it's like AFR where you know you have three color combinations, green, white, green, black, and black, white that care about toxic just in slightly different ways. But they all care about toxic. And then you right. end up building a really bonkers Abzan deck in limited in an environment designed for two color decks. I just, I wish they would stop doing this. I wish they would. I don't know what they didn't like about the original Ixalan block that they won't return to. Um, because in the original Ixalan block, they had four groups. Two of them were three color, two of them were two color. And every color was represented twice. That, to me, yeah, was fantastic. Was, I, really, I, I missed that limited environment, but as an outsider, it looked very balanced. It looked very fun. I loved it. From the as from the outside perspective, it looks very balanced. From the inside perspective, I mean, here's the thing: is the Ixalan the Ixalan block is very famous for being very underpowered, which I personally don't give a shit about. Yeah. That's fine. But the color balancing was fantastic, and it gave you four very clear archetypes, and you were able to to change them with a decent amount of ease because at some level. They all cared about treasure. They all cared about exploration. They all cared about their tribe. At some fundamental level, right. the support pieces could work in every deck. But it was, you know, which do you take vampires or merfolk or pirates? You know, what which is it that you focus on? Yeah, I agree too. I don't play a lot of limited, but I can just kind of tell from listening to, you know, listening to content, podcasts, watching videos, whatever, that they sort of it, it feels like they have this sort of like I don't want to say cookie cutter, but strategy to creating a limited environment. And, and that's it. Like 10, two color pairs. Each one does this, their thing. If they don't overlap or if you can't make a three, three color deck, then so be it, I guess. All right. I think that's all for the, uh, ancillary stuffs with one. What do we, what do you think about getting into some cards? I want to talk about some cards. Do it for just going down the list here. I will start my list off with probably, I don't know if my, if, if it's my absolute favorite common from this set, by the way, we're going to start with commons. We're going to work our way through the commons each, just sort of our picks. We're not doing every single common. We're just going to touch on the ones that we personally like, that each of us like, and then sort of give critiques or feedbacks or where these cards are going to fall into different homes, that sort of thing. And then we will swing back around and pick up on some commanders that we really like as well. So we're not going to sit here and go through 150 cards or whatever, but a pretty decent amount of them, some of our favorites. So uh, like I was saying, this one is, I don't know if it's my favorite card out of the entire set, but I like it for its cube slash eternal format viability, and that is Blazing Crescendo. Uh, it's a generic and a red for an instant. It's just a combat trick. Target creature gets plus three, plus one until the end of turn, but it's got the impulse on it. It's exile the top card of your library until the, until the end of your next turn. You may play that card. 
I think it's great. I I see a lot of different um, scenarios where this is going to be really good in in sixty card formats or popper specifically in PDH. You know, I think Dave was the one when this when we put when we dropped this in the preview channel in our Discord. Someone posted this, and the first thing Dave said was Zada. <laughs> <laughs> like, yep, exactly. Like, I, I said that is wild. Z- Zada just threw up in her mouth a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. I paraphrased. Yeah. <laughs> no, and you're absolutely right. Like that's that's gonna get crazy. So, and I'm here for it. You know, I could I could see a spot for it in my cube in uh, mono red prowess slash burn that seems to be tearing up the sixty card popper meta as it is anyway so it should be interesting that's um that's my first card there and then did we decide we're just doing all the cards at once yeah yeah um, okay so i I mean what do you think i just want to I, I want you to finish your list but i just want to say like blazing crescendo is nuts like it is it is really this nuts. is and like it's one of those that i like it the more i look at it right like like, like i first read it i'm like oh this is cool now it's like oh my god i can't wait to play it this is this feels to me like it's on par with Flaming Fists. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very similar. Wait, no. One of Fists of Flame. Fists of Flame. Yep. One of those is the, the white horizons. enchantment background thing. The other one is the red combat trick that draws you a card, <laughs> gives something trampled. Like, yeah, the Flaming Fist is the uh, Baldur's Gate. Okay, Fists of Flame. The red combat trick that draws a card. Like, this is... That has warped games. Like that goes into yeah. every single one of my red combat focused decks, just because it's it's such a powerhouse of a trick, and it replaces itself, and that's crazy. And this just does that, like honestly, a little bit better. Like fl- Fists of Flame is usually plus two plus zero oh, draw a card, and this is like plus three right. plus one. So yeah, no, yeah. just just an absolute tremendous powerhouse of a card. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, what do you think, Liam? You like you like combat tricks? I'm not a huge fan of combat tricks in multiplayer, but I think this one does have its home in decks like Zada, where it you know replaces itself ten times. But overall, mm. I think in the decks that care about combat, it will be fine. I think so too. I think that's a good way to put it, and it's not set yep. specific. Is what I like about it too. It'll go pretty much anywhere. Easily you don't have to worry about oil counters, or toxic counters, or anything like that. So, all right. Well, the second comment I picked is the other half of Is It Colors. It is Malkator's Watcher. For a generic and a blue, you get a 1-1 artifact creature, Phyrexian Drone, with flying and vigilance. But when it dies, you draw a card. So a whole bunch of decks just got a new toy with this. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that you care about sacrificing it, you can block with it. If it dies, draw a card. It's got the artifact synergy. It's already in blue, so you got that going for you. I, I don't see literally any downside with this card. Can someone, like... Dave, can you talk me out of it? <laughs> I I can't actually. Like I, to me, like the the first time I looked at it, I kind of glanced over it because it it felt to me like another surveilling sprite, and like I don't mm-hmm. have surveilling sprite in like anything really. But then I realized that like maybe vigilance matters. Maybe vigilance matters a lot for a card that you can use to get incidental chip damage in as a one one flyer. You can use it to like take the initiative or take the monarch from someone who doesn't have evasion. And then still block with it to death to draw a card, like to death. Yeah, that's like vigilance is actually like a massive upgrade on this thing. And being an artifact is also a pretty vast improvement for like you. You hit all the artifact synergies. You hit all the artifact sacrifice outlets when you need to draw a card off it. Like I think, I think this is much much better than surveilling sprite, and like that excites me. Yeah, I mean you. You get an extra card if you hit it with Deadly Dispute. You know, you get to draw a card if you hit it with Koldotha Rebirth. All that mm-hmm, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, pretty crazy. Yeah. 
What do you think, Liam? Yeah, uh, the Vigilance is really good on it. Uh, as Alk was saying, if he hadn't said that, I was going to mention the fact that it could uh, attack and then block. But overall, I think it seems, again, another fine card. I would say that a lot about the set. The set overall feels very okay, just because there's... It's, yeah, it's very, like, I think you said it the other day, either on Twitter or Discord, it's, it's aggressively okay. Yeah, the, the set is aggressively okay, and that's because the set overall is incredibly parasitic, and then everything that's not feels like it plays a support role. There's nothing that's yes. new and flashy. Right, exactly. That's a good way to put it. And that's okay. We don't need Baldur's Gate every three months. I, yeah, months, so. <laughs> honestly, I'm okay with it, because it means I yeah. can just ignore the set for another three months. All right. Well, next up, kind of speaking of parasitic, I'm not really a rats player. I don't really do rats, tribal, relentless rats, any of that kind of stuff. But blight belly rat, I am a super fan of. It's a two-two for a generic and a black uh, creature, Phyrexian rat with toxic one. It's not super why I'm playing the card, but it is when it has another line of text that when blight belly rat dies, you get to proliferate. It is huge in mono black. We do not have a lot of mono black cards at the common rarity level that let you proliferate and i specifically like this one for my menthara deck to get an extra experience counter that's <laughs> that's where i want this card that's that was the first place i thought of when it was spoiled i'm sure it'll have other applications but uh, right off the bat that's where i want to put it so i will definitely find a spot for it there what do you think dave you like this rat it's all right i like that it proliferates in black i think that black needs more of that uh yeah. i the thing that I'm really wondering about with this guy is, like, when I put this into a deck because I want the proliferate synergy, are people going to see me playing a toxic creature and, like, lose their minds and, like, completely... Are, is there, Very possible. Is their threat assessment just going to, like, nosedive into oblivion and, like, they'll just lose all common sense? Like, <laughs> this is... Yeah, when they when they see that, that uh, reminder text that says right, poison, like, they're going to lose it. I'm I'm wondering if I would like this card more if I just sharpied out the toxic bit and <laughs> just been like, you know what? Don't even worry about the toxic. I'm not tracking poison counters. Like I'm just here. I want to proliferate yeah. the plus one plus one counters on my Hagrid Constrictor. Like yep. let's not talk about poison. Like I, I'm wondering yep. if this is going to cause some really weird conversations. Yes, <laughs> the, the answer is dis yes. Disclaimer. Yep. I I can just tell you uh, the answer. The answer is yes. <laughs> okay. Um, no, yeah. Knowing how commando players are, I'm just going to uh, assume that the the greater PDH audience at large, outside your your meta of friend group, is is going to be like that. And probably because yes. we do have ways to make that uh, make that one poison counter ten real quick. Unless you, unless you're in a dedicated poison strategy, which they would know well before this hits the field then I don't really see it being too much like that. I think it's just people have such a visceral reaction to poison counters, which which really, really sucks. <laughs> because, <laughs> like I said, I just, like, dude, I just want the proliferation for my Haggard Constrictor. Like, I don't care yeah, if this exactly. connects. Like, I don't care if this connects. Please block it, kill it. That's what I want. Please, like, please. yeah. I, I want the counter it gives me. Yeah, like, if it's, a, if it's a magnet for your removal spell, even better. Yep. So we agree. All right. Next up. I chose a white instant. It is Charge of the Mites. For two generic and a white, we get an instant with uh, teeth kind of all through the art. Again, there's a lot of teeth in this set, in this artwork in this set. 
but it's an instant. It's a kind of a modal instant. You get to choose one. Charge of the Mites deals damage equal to the number of creatures you control to target creature or planeswalker. Or you can create two 1-1 one, one colorless Phyrexian Mite artifact creature tokens with Toxic 1 and this creature can't block. So it's very, obviously, raise the alarm, something like that. A little more expensive because you got to pay for the modality. But I like it. I like mono-white or white X decks that make a bunch of cheap creatures and go real wide and can sort of do its own little scred thing. So what do you think, Dave? Do you like the, do you like the charge? I do. Uh, I... I can't see playing it in a lot of decks. It's not like, oh, I'm playing white. I got to play Charge of the Mites. But in yeah. specific decks, I think it'll be just fine. To, to me, it feels like... So, like, like I said with the rats, like, when I'm... If I put the rats into a deck because I want to proliferate synergy, like, I, I... I feel like I have to do that because black has so few proliferate options. Um, right. I think that white has a lot more like one turn anthem options which is mm -hmm. like one one of these things it's 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 the anthem or the raise the alarm right I'm thinking of the no it's guard. a kill spell no the kill spell. kill spell okay so yeah yeah kill spell or raise the alarm every time i've read this card i've read it as a kill spell and then as soon as i stop looking at it <laughs> I, I think of charge of the mites and i'm just thinking of the the card charge oh, charge yeah mm -hmm. yeah so charge. uh yeah, kill kill spell or might. So like, I feel like I feel like white has better kill spells, and I only want the white. I, I only want the mites if I'm doing infect. And so I think I think this is a tremendously powerful card for any white deck that wants to do poison counters. But I do think you, that do you think there's any white X or you know white deck that cares that they are artifact creatures? Hmm, do any white artifacts matter lists floating around? Could Ethos one Sphinx like this? See, my only downside Maybe. is the mites. The mites. The mites can't block. That's my problem. Yeah. Is yeah. is my my whole thing with them would be I'll prove that they're not they're not here for poison because I won't attack with them. Well, if you're not attacking with them, what the <laughs> hell are you doing with them? Just um, hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> activating your network terminal. That's what you're doing. Um, so I, so I, I I don't think I don't think East Sphinx likes Master's Call very much. Yeah, I. But Master's know, Call, yeah, that's a, Master's that's Call isn't a kill spell, so maybe maybe this gets through there because it, it is the <sighs> artifacts and it is the, the 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 first. So I I guess here's here's my my TLDR here. I love cards that have versatility. I think that that's an incredibly powerful thing, and it's something that especially when when you're limited to all commons, you have to lean heavily on versatility to get yeah. the right balance of effects in your deck. I think that this card's versatility is very much eyebrow raising in the face of one of its modes is very, very focused on a very specific strategy that right now none of my white decks want. Yep. Okay. Fair. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm definitely going to keep this in mind as I move forward and like maybe someday I'll end up with a white poison stack and then this card will be a slam dunk. Uh, but right now I cannot see myself putting this anywhere. Yeah, like if yeah. I were placing a TCG player order tomorrow and I was ordering cards from this set for decks, I would probably get two of these, not eight of them. Yes. So that's fair. Yeah, I, I I'm kind of in agreement there. Like, if you could do something with the mites, like if they if they could do something beyond just increase your artifact count, then great, include them. But otherwise, yeah. they're just going to sit there or they're going to be eaten alive, and the, the kills like the kill spell is. 
fine. I feel like yeah, white has fine. I feel like white has better kill spells. So if you were if you were using this as a kill spell, you'd probably just want to use it in a in a way that was cheating the cost a little bit. So I I feel like this card is aggressively okay and will be great in one deck and that one deck just does not exist yet. That's a good point. It really doesn't. I mean, you can slam it into go to, go wide decks if you want because it has kind of those words on it, but I don't know if any of them really need it. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on from Charge of the Tall Teeth to another blue card, Eye of Malkator. Look at that, another blue artifact. For two generic and a blue, when Eye of Malkator enters the battlefield, scry two, and then its second line of text. Whenever another artifact enters the battlefield under your control, Eye of Malkator becomes a 4-4 Phyrexian Eye artifact creature until the end of turn. So three mana, mono blue for a 4-4. That scries on ETB. That seems good. I know Dave, you had some 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 thoughts about this one. I love this card very specifically for one of my decks, and that deck is Animating Fairy. Animating Fairy is a commander we got in Eldrain. It is a, a creature with an adventure, which is its own very cool mess of rules. Yeah. How that interacts <laughs> with the command zone, uh, but it's 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 an entertaining mess of rules. But the the adventure half of the card is. You can bring to life. Bring to life. Yes, you can transform a uh, a non-creature artifact you control into a zero-zero artifact creature, and then you put four plus one plus one counters on it. Okay, but what happens when Eye of Malkator becomes a four-four and it's got four counters on it? Then it's an eight-eight. <laughs> like that's it's it's bizarre to me why. I don't understand why Animating Fairy just doesn't turn something into a 4-4. Like, it's th their their decision to turn it into a 0-0 and then put counters on it. Like, I don't understand that decision, but I'm deeply invested in that decision. There's so many bizarre, cool things you can do with that ability. Like, Well, and we got that one from MH2 that makes artifact creature thingies, right? What's... <sighs> Kenku Artificer. There you go. Is uh, kind of the same. It's not four counters. It's well. It's it's three counters it's and three. permanently flying. Yeah. I don't I don't know if it's a flying counter or just flying, but yeah. Yeah, we have Kentko Artificer, very similar card, and yeah, like the the number of things you can do. Like, there's a ton of really cool artifacts that have abilities that turn themselves into creatures, and th when that ability activates or triggers, uh, they give themselves a power and tough. Their that ability will overwrite their power toughness. Mm-hmm. And so if it if it was a zero zero with four plus one plus one counters, and then it becomes a four four and still has four plus one plus one counters, you have an eight eight. And that's not small. Yeah, and that's you know, I know you're already getting scry two and potentially a four four body for three mana, but there's nothing there's a lot of decks that can do that for two mana. Like it's not gonna be hard to like ramp this out and get that four four even earlier. Mm-hmm. So crazy. Good stuff, though. You like it, Liam? Are you a fan of the Phyrexian Eye artifact creature? It seems okay. <laughs> it's aggressively um, okay. It it it's a great card for animating fairy. It really is. I never would have never would have made that connection, but that's awesome. I'm struggling <laughs> to, to to put it elsewhere. Um, it it could be, it could be interesting in Sphinx. Okay, being a a three mana cascade to scry two uh and then, and you then cast your mites that, from charge of the mites and you get a four four 
Look at that. <laughs> or, or, or you return the Sphinx to your hand and cast the oh, Sphinx yeah, again, because this also counts towards affinity. This, this could be interesting in Sphinx, because when it's not your turn, it can't be hit by creature removal, because it would stop being a creature. We're, we're going to oh, assume you yeah. can't put an artifact into play when it's sure. not your turn. I feel like that it it evading creature removal sometimes could be relevant as a 4-4. Yeah. I didn't even think about that aspect of it. I think that's pretty interesting. What do you think, Alk? Do you think I'm crazy? Do you think I'm, no. I'm stupid? No, like, I, think, I, I think you could... I do not think either of those things. I think that you're a very clever deck builder. Um, I think that you could put it th- in Sphinx. I think it has... Has merits. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the one of the big merits, if if your Sphinx is going for a beatdown plan, one of the one of the sort of weaknesses of the Sphinx as a beatdown plan is that uh, very very smart players will never point removal at your Sphinx, because that's yes stupid. That's um, what you want. <laughs> they will point all of their removal at your big creatures. They'll 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 kill the Gear Seeker serpents and the you know the mirror enforcers that you're cascading into. The accomplished mm-hmm. automatons. I I like that this doesn't get hit by sorcery speed creature removal. Yes. It's a it's a really cheap and... it's it's a cheap beater. It's gonna it's it's always gonna be a creature on your turn because you're E Sphinx and you'll just you'll never run out of artifacts to cast. Yeah. And the scry two is fine and it's you know above rate for what it does. Three mana four fours solid. It's... And it, it'll see it's also three mana if you draw it isn't impossible, exactly. unlike some of our other creatures that are right. eight or nine mana. We have to put them back on the right. deck. Very, like, very reasonable mana cost. Yeah. When you when you draw when you draw into Maelstrom Colossus, you just gotta hope that you hit the brainstorm so you can put it back. <laughs> like <laughs> get back in the deck. You don't go in my hands. Like <laughs> pretty pretty if you much draw, if you draw this thing like that's that's great like you can just you cast it you got your beater you got your scries the scrying helps the sphinx you can scry the colossus yeah. down and then not cascade into the yeah yeah i think yep. this i think this card could go on sphinx for sure sounds good sounds like you talked yourself into it all right up next uh my second to last comment that i picked is a black card it is whisper of the dross for a single black mana and, and it's an instant as well uh, target creature gets minus one, minus one until the end of turn, and you proliferate. Huge. That's massive in, in black for, for that cheap. We have proliferate at black, but it's nowhere near that cheap, so this is kind of coming very handy. Again, for like control decks, specifically my Minthara deck, I want those experience counters, but I'm sure if you're just dirtling around with plus one, plus one counters, you're trying to build up your Crypt Wraths to be a little stronger so it doesn't die to its first activation, that sort of thing. Uh, these may come in very handy, but uh, right off the bat, I'm going to put it in, um, like I said, in Minthara, and then I'll just see where else, what other decks I have that want this effect. What do you think, Dave? Do you have an instant home for something like that? Do you have a Proliferate deck, or what, what, what do you, how do you usually play Proliferate? Um, I have a couple Proliferate decks. Uh, right now, none of them are really black. Okay. Uh, the the ones that want to really go hard on proliferating. Um, yeah, that's fair. And I honestly just because the deck I'm going to put this in is so specific, like I want a specific thing out of it. Yeah. I don't care if this card just was a single black that said proliferate. Like I don't even care about the minus one minus one necess- really necessarily. I like that it kills mana idiots. It does. It kills a lot of them. Does it well too. Mm-hmm. No more soccer tribe scout for you. <laughs> Bye. 
Peace. All right, Liam, are you proliferating for a single black? What are your thoughts here? I also do not have any uh, black decks that really care about proliferating at, at at the moment. At the moment, we'll 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 figure that out. Um, I think I think proliferating for a single black at instant speed has its merits in certain places. Uh, I think giving a creature minus one minus one for a single black at instant speed is awful. Yeah, in PDH, it, it, yeah, like it's not you great. kill a mana dork, great. Uh, I would I would rather run any number of removal spells over this. The proliferate is doing heavy lifting. Sure. Very heavy lifting. Yeah, absolutely. That That's really all, all right. I care about on this card, and that it's one mana, you know, I could do it anytime. You know, and technically in a deck like Benthara, that's a combat trick. Like, if you need, if you got four creatures on the board and you're four damage away from killing them, you just cast this card and you just bump your yeah. team by plus one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I lied. I, I do have a black deck that proliferates a, a lot. It's my... Oh, yeah? Yeah, I have a, I have an armament core deck. Oh, Abzan! All right, all right. Which is it's only armament core because that's the, literally the only Abzan option. This is yeah, this is my sadly. it's my fungus deck. It's every single Sapperling Thalid card. So it wants to be, like it. I mean, it it's running all the you know Thalid Thalid Devourer Thalid Germinator Thorn Thalid. Yeah. Literally all of the Thalids, so that mm-hmm. it can. It can have all these spore counters proliferate the spore counters, get more saprolings. Uh, so it's also running all of the proliferate cards. And like the proliferate cards make armament core not useless. So like <laughs> there's actually there's That's there's something point. there. It's not a lot, but it's something. Like this this card will definitely find a home in the armament core fungus deck. Right on, right on. Well, I think we can move on to my last card and I Looking at it as you were talking, I, I may have a problem here. I picked seven cards, and this is my third one that proliferates. <laughs> so I, I, I may have a secret king or a sink, secret addiction here. It's uh, not a is, secret. It's not a secret at all. <laughs> uh, this one is Thirsting Roots for a single green. It's a sorcery this time, but you get to choose one. You can search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and then do the shuffle. Or you can proliferate. So I think that's a decent rate for a single green uh, to have either one of those options. And then something like Herd Bailoth that wants as many counters as you can put on it. You know, in my mind, you know, you have to have the plus one, plus one counter already on the Bailoth. But in my mind, this says a single green to make a 4-4 beast. That's how I read it. So <laughs> I'll definitely so, be trying it out there. And it's good if you need to find a land. So if you're, if you're worried about your mana curve or your, your, your mana screwed and you need to find another one, this is a good good rate. But what do you think, Dave? Uh, I think a single green mana for a 4-4 is a pretty good rate. I like that. Rate. I like those odds. Uh, <laughs> I also like paying a single green mana for 16 spore counters. Also also a good deal. <laughs> good point. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, good it's especially good in the, in the in the Abzan deck. It fixes your mana. Like, that's it's kind of important in the, you know, and think about it in too, the terrible like, three-color deck. How many pods have you been sitting in where you just you just look at every you know all four players boards and there's just dice everywhere <laughs> you know just everybody's got you know stacks of dice so there's gonna be a lot of a lot of manipulation going on one of the things i really love about proliferate is that it uh you you can get a little politics about it like if someone yes. else has a card that they really want counters on you can be like yeah you get counters too you can you can do the oprah maneuver you get counters and you get counters you you can be everyone's friend with proliferate <laughs> yes you can all right liam is this still 
on the aggressively medium scale spectrum? I feel very similar about this to Whispers of the Dross. Okay. Uh, because that single green mana, this time it's sorcery speed, not yeah, even instant, sorcery. is is proliferating. As as Dave mentioned, I, if, if we didn't mention it here, I was going to definitely mention when we get to my comments, is that proliferate is a huge, huge, huge political mm-hmm. tool. Because even if you're not proliferating your own stuff, you can proliferate other people's stuff. Uh, but putting a basic into your hand, even for a green mana at sorcery, is not an effect I'm looking to run in my Yeah, decks. it's not ideal, for sure. It's the worst half of Cultivate where I'd rather run Rampant Growth, <laughs> if that yeah, makes sense. Um, I'm not really looking to slot this into any of my decks for that first effect. In in a deck like Armament Core, where the Proliferate actually has use, and you know what? You drew green and black lands and you just want that white land. It's not great. It's fine. Uh, you would definitely rather play this for the Proliferate effect. Mm. But I can see that use case being like a, a you know, it's worst case scenario. One, you know, it, I, I'll play this deck, you know, 20 times over its lifetime and, and that's going to happen once. Seems okay. Fine. Yeah, okay. Sure. But I, I feel very medium on this, just like I do with uh, Whispers, where it's just like, I don't, ha- I don't own any decks that would run this effect. So I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's totally fair. And may- maybe I have a proliferate problem. You know, I think at this point you, you I, could hand me a magic card that said, smash your thumb with the hammer and proliferate and i'd probably go grab my hammer just so i could throw some more counters around <laughs> I, I don't want to say that because i also have chosen quite the number of proliferate cards <laughs> but then again it may have just um, been unavoidable from the set and and you know what honestly it we might get to my cards because because all the cards you've chosen are for you've considered for decks you run like like thirsty roots would be really built. good you heard yeah. me a lot deck i i don't have a deck like that so this isn't on my radar That's but some of my picks some of my picks are you know similar to cards i already run in some of my decks and so it's like i can see the value of this card you may be saying the same thing like liam what the hell are you talking about <laughs> um this, this well, card's no, awful good. and i'd be like yeah like you know what all right. the different feedbacks and stuff it's good because it's you know i may get clouded by thinking oh yeah this this card's gonna do awesome and then i hear both of you and i'm like okay pull it back a little bit you know now i kind of see it from an outsider you know i, I don't don't let me talk you out of running bad cards oh, no, i don't run running bad cards on the stream when i play you <laughs> 100%. I, I lo- you could have you could have very easily taken that in the direction of like don't let me talk you into thinking that the cards you like are bad but no like you we're doubling down on this being a bad card you're just saying yeah. don't let me talk you out of running it like your judgment is still terrible but i want you to play with the bad cards like play what a- with whatever cards you want to play with even though they're bad okay. like what a, even- what a- it's oh, beautiful amazing incredible uh, okay in, in all serious in all seriousness we all know that i play bad cards so what's it like, yeah, no i i i respect that amazing all right well i'm looking at the show notes and it looks like dave's really excited because there's a cap a lot of capitalization a lot of swear words here in the show notes i i couldn't tell if it was i couldn't tell if it was excitement or if he was just yelling at us <laughs> he might have it's been yelling both. at us <laughs> i'm yelling at you because i'm it's excited <laughs> What are you so excited about? Those flipping lands! <laughs> Have you seen the lands? Holy oh. crap! Stairs. What? What lands? There's a whole cycle the of lands. lands. Are they? Are they locusts? Are they? The are locusts. they spheres? The locust lands. They're spheres. The, the, that's that's the joke. There are no locusts. Oh. I don't, I don't even look at their subtypes. Yeah, these lands are spheres, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what it means for them to be spheres. I honestly don't even care about their types. We have a full cycle. One for each color of a sphere land. It comes into play tapped. 
taps for its color for one for, for two mana tap sacrifice the land you can draw a card so these are honestly to me they feel like the deserts but way better Sure. And I and I run the deserts in a lot of things. Like you're still paying two mana to get your card. You just get to use it as a land first for as long as you want the land, and then you get the card later. And the thing the thing that is absolutely blowing my mind about these cards that I cannot get over is the scare tiller stonks. Oh, it's amazing. Like I I have to I have to start calling him the stonk tiller because he's just he is out of control. Like at this point, sniff how is basically. DFB, <laughs> like I think that I've never seen them both in the same room at the same time. Sniff how might just be DFB, like it's possible mm -hmm. that they are the same person. Like the stonks are just incalculable <laughs> with Scare Tiller and the Spheres, and like I think the best part about listening to you talk about these spheres is I'm I'm listening to you discover the power of the Horizon Lands for the very first time. The Horizons. Yeah, the the the, the, rare. the the rare cycle and other formats where you pay a life for your mana and you can later sacrifice them to, to draw, draw a card. Yep. Uh, Those things are insane. Yeah, and this is basically like, the pauper like equivalent. Canyon and they're going and to those... be insane. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I... Like like these cards alone will make Scare Tiller a target for removal. I mean, normally oh, he just yeah. kind of there, you know he'll get some value, gain you some life or what have you, maybe ramp you a little bit. Somebody's gonna be like, "Damn, you've drawn five cards. That thing's right? gotta die." <laughs> Scare Tiller's too strong. Too strong. And, awesome. and 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 there's a white one. Honestly, white has too much card draw at this point. And there's a blue one. Uh, yeah, no one no one plays blue. That's fine. But yeah, I uh, <laughs> I I must have already been out of. Uh, formats that involve rares by the time those horizon lands happened but i trust yeah. you that they're very good they sound very <laughs> good mh1 yeah they're basically they're basically these i mean maybe a little better uh yeah i mean the horizon lands are a lot better brad <laughs> first of all they don't they don't come in tapped, oh yeah yeah they're and you only <laughs> and you only pay a single generic mana to sacrifice them not a generic and a color yeah, right. mm. and they're and they're and they tap for yeah, two colors say, not are they dual color yeah they're good <laughs> they're a lot are they, better are they spheres though they're not checkmate so. atheists do you, do you do you know why the sphere type matters i don't i honestly had, it, i it, didn't know it, they were spheres until doesn't. like five minutes ago um, so it doesn't so there are nine spheres of new phyrexia and there are nine lands in this set that have the type sphere all of them named after a different sphere and then there are two cards i believe that reference spheres one of them there's there's one card that becomes it's it's an artifact that becomes a nine nine if you control nine spheres or something and then there's another one that searches your library for a a basic a sphere or a locus mm -hmm. yeah uh and puts it in your hand i think both of them are rares the the second one might be an uncommon but the, neither of them are commons uh so the 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 sphere type means absolutely diddly squat. Yes, yeah, perfect. Um, no, I don't even think there's an uncommon creature that cares about spheres, so we won't even get it out of the command uh, zone. No, <laughs> no, there isn't. Well, it really just is. It it they just mean it, it's a limited thing and a flavor thing. They mean the the the, the type means nothing. Well, yeah. we'll come back later to the uh, possibility of just putting an artifact in the command zone. There you go. But uh... <laughs> what do you got next, Dave? Next, I just so I mean I had to talk about the lands first because sure. the lands are this is this is my all caps. This is so like I you know 
well you're so your your proficiency with which you make show notes is astounding like <laughs> those, like the first bullet point is those flipping lands and then the professional sub yeah your professional and then your sub bullet point under that is for real though <laughs> all caps all, all caps for real though <laughs> yeah the, the the literal word for word notes i'm going from here are those flipping lands for real though scare tiller stonks through the roof markets are crashing everywhere except the pal studio <laughs> sniff how is basically d dfv that's i mean that's a show that's it we can wrap there it right is there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and cut. And thanks for uh, coming to our Phyrexia one review. <laughs> Perfect. So, uh, yeah, d all, all of that is caps, which is why we have to definitely have to talk about that first. So, um, the thing that I probably should have mentioned first, if I wasn't uh, a crazy person, is that I want to do a blanket disclaimer here. When I started going through the set on Scryfall, all the different, all the different commons, I was kind of going through and just putting cards into a list that I wanted to talk about. And I realized that I was kind of doing Brad's thing where like, I just had like five different cards that were on the list because they proliferated. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> these are all do. fantastic. There's probably 10 more of these in the set that I also want to talk about. And I'm not going to talk about every single one. I'm just going to tell you if you're into toxic poison counter infect stuff, or if you're into proliferate, like this set has a giant pile of juicers for you. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, hop on Scryfall, type in, you know, set one R RC uh, O proliferate or O toxic or O counter. And like, you can just, you can get it all. You can bask in the glory of all the crazy new proliferate things you're getting. A lot of them are very powerful. Uh, it's cool stuff. So I'm not going to talk about those specifically. I just wanted to generally mention that there's a lot of it. Sure. The thing I do want to talk about specifically is Leonin Lightbringer. We mentioned earlier that uh, Rebels are back. And we do, in fact, have one new creature-type Rebel. And it is pretty good. Leonin Lightbringer, for the first time in a very long time, Changelings notwithstanding, uh, we have a new card with the creature type Rebel. This is a 3-mana three 3-2 three Cat Rebel with Ward 2. And as long as it is equipped, it gets plus 1, plus 1. I have two decks that both utilize a giant pile of Rebel Tutors. Mm -hmm. uh, none of them are very into equipment right now, but I think they could be if the stakes included a 3-mana three 4-3 four three with Ward. So... Yeah. Uh, I like this guy a lot. I like that he's tutorable. Love. I love that rebels are back. It's very cool stuff. This is our only new rebel at common. Uh, again, I the, the, a lot of the common rebels that they're bringing back come from the equipment, not from the creature cards themselves. So yeah. Uh, I should talk a little about about the equipment. No, I should pause to see what you guys think of Leon and Lightbringer. <laughs> uh, I'm I got a fan. Too excited. I like. Yeah? I like the ward. I like the equipment. Um little package there, so it's great. I always think Ward plays a lot bigger than it reads on the card, so that's, that's kind of nice, too. Like, you think, oh, what's a big deal, Ward 2, but that, sometimes that, that's really difficult to pay. If they if they have to remove that card, sometimes they just can't. I like it. As, as a bird horse pilot, I... I feel that in a huge way. <laughs> like yeah. everyone, everyone reads Essio and they're like, "Oh, that's not a big deal." And then everyone's about to die to Essio and they're like, "What is this card? This isn't fair." <laughs> <laughs> like the, the tonal shift between the start of the game and the end of the game is enormous. I'm a fan of the Lightbringer, 
bring what, it on. What do, you, what do you think of our new rebel, Liam? Uh, I, I have no emotional attachment to the rebel creature type <laughs> at all. Uh, mm. I hate to I hate to break it to you. Okay. Well, I think it's uh, older it, than it you. It is. is the I, 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 I am I am almost <laughs> certain. Let me let me let me look that up real quick. When 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 what sets that come out in the the rebel type? Mercadian masks. Masks. Yep. masks release date was October fourth, nineteen ninety nine. So they're twenty uh, twenty. Uh, they're turning yeah, twenty four this year. Me. Yeah, I have no emotional attachment to the rebel creature type. I just made both of you very sad. <laughs> you did like a little um, bit. <laughs> We went from the light bringer to the sadness bringer. <laughs> How are we gonna celebrate our thirty our thirty fourth episode together? Like champagne for Brad and I, and a, you want a juice box, Liam? Like what? Are you... <laughs> How did How it's did okay, this happen? Okay. Um, so the light bringer seems fine. Uh, it the plus one plus one as long as it's equipped seems okay. I wish it was plus one plus one for each equipment, or like plus one plus zero oh for each equipment um would have been sure. dope and i might have cared a little bit more but being a three mana four three with wood two is okay i guess <laughs> yeah that's fair yeah totally i fair. like i like that in the set that reintroduces rebels as things you get from equipment the actual rebel we got yeah, cares about that's, equipment. That's yeah. Very yeah. Nice. i thought that was a nice touch yeah, I do like yeah. That. so lightbringer very cool Speaking of the equipment that gives us rebels, uh, I have uh, a note in my my show notes just for the four Mirrodin ability. We talked about it a little bit. The the cards that I want to mention are Mirrodin or Mirin Bardish, which is the uh, I think it's the five mana for plus two plus one in vigilance. So this is effectively a four three vigilant that you can move the equipment around for four. Mm-hmm. You are correct. Um, the the one I'm honestly most excited about is the red one. Barbed Batterfist. This is two mana. The equipment gives plus one, minus one, and it equips for one. So the creature, the, the two two that it gives you will will come in as just a three one, mm-hmm. which I, I really like that stat line. That's two okay. mana for a three one creature. Yeah. This is like the, the kind of aggressive beats that I want to get involved with. And this one, this card is especially exciting to me because after the creature gets blocked and died, you can move this equipment to something else and you still have this resource, this utility you can use elsewhere mm-hmm. after your 3-1 eats it. And, so I think that one's very good. And it's so cheap to re-equip compared to a lot of so the cheap. other equipment in the set. Yeah, one is yeah. like nothing. Yeah. It's awesome. It just it scoots around wherever you want it. Yep. I mean, like, plus one, minus one isn't outstanding. Yeah. No, that's not ideal. Uh, but... it'll, 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 it'll kill some of the things you try to equip it to, <laughs> so you got to be careful. But like... Yeah. I, I like that it, you know, if you got a little evasive 2-2, two, two, like, uh, ter- having an evasive 3-1 is better. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, um, once you, it, it, if you're looking at little 2-2s two or, or whatever you got, once you get past turns 5 through 8, your little 2-2s two probably aren't doing anything anyway. So yeah. send them in for 3 damage if you can or, you know, trade with them. Yeah. I, I like... I typically like three ones a lot more than I like two twos. Same so here. I'm I'm really I'm really into this card. There's one there's a white one that gives the creature plus O plus one. I'll I'll be totally honest, I don't like that one. It, that one feels much more like you're paying for a body and like having an equipment around that you can use to give a creature one toughness, like I don't care about well, that. That's not worth a card. It's, it's I like white. that we got another like, equipment named Volshock though. That's cool. It's a nice callback. Yeah. It's the the gold one's helm is is white, so it just has to be plus. Yeah, like, like yeah. It, those, it, those are the rules. It costs <laughs> an extra generic to cast. 
it costs a color to re-equip. So instead of one generic, it's one generic and a white. And mm-hmm. it gives plus zero, plus one versus plus one, minus one. Like, even if it had been minus one, plus one, it would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you could put them both on the same creature and be like, ha <laughs> super fun. You know, too, like in some decks, when you cast, I mean, I guess it works for like living weapon too, but when you cast this, it'll trigger your impact trimmer and your artillerist. Mm, yeah. That's fun. Mm. Yeah. I hadn't gotten that um, far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, right? It, it's wild. <laughs> and when it enters the battlefield yeah. too, so you could like flicker it, do all stuff. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can flicker the artifact to get a new creature out of it. That but... seems. Bad. I don't know why you'd want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe you desperately need a two two. Yeah, maybe just or a two three. Hey, two three. There you go. Or right. a three one. Hey. Yeah. Well, the, the the last one we have here is a uh, a four mana Volshock Splitter. That's one Brad mentioned with Volshock in the name. Uh, for four mana, you have an, the the four mirror and equipment that'll give a creature plus two plus zero, oh, so it's effectively a four two. I really really think this should have given haste as well. Yeah, um, I was reading it uh, right before you just uh, just read. It. I, I was uh, I was reading it before you read it, and I was looking for an extra word. I was looking for haste or right. <laughs> first strike or something. Yeah, it's just right. on there. Yeah, it's it's just a four mana four two that you know the equipment you can move the equipment around for three mana to give a different creature plus two plus oh mm-hmm. so as an equipment it's just a very expensive bone splitter but that comes in as a four two creature so uh, it's not i'm not thrilled but i don't hate it it is definitely an axe and i do have a number of axe tribal decks axe is cool. that i will have to put this into and the uh the, one of the artist kai carpenter this is their first outside of a token this is their first common artwork so welcome to, P- oh, welcome to nice. one of my axe tribal decks is mono green so i'm gonna have to get creative with a sharp on this one but i think i think we work. can make it happen yeah yeah so. yeah so yeah uh, i love the four mirin cards very cool stuff there uh is there anything else we wanted to say about those or should i move to the last card I am good. i'm good okay last card that i want to talk about tonight is um it's called offer immortality this is a black instant that will give a creature indestructible and death touch. And at first I read this and I was like, oh, okay, a couple keywords. It's kind of like Alchemist's Gift or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I read it again and I was like, no, it's both of those things. And those are the two that I really care about. Uh-huh. Yep. Then I realized that this card is just better than Necrobite, which is crazy to me because I love Necrobite no. and I run it in a couple of my decks like very enthusiastically yeah, not only is the <laughs> effect better but it is cheaper too there's one mana cheaper than necrobite necrobite is three mana for death touch and regenerate this is two mana for death touch and indestructible yep so the change from regenerate to indestructible means you don't lose your counters when you regenerate you don't lose your counters when what? you regenerate because there is no regeneration yep. it's just indestructible you normally don't use Lose counters when you, you regenerate. Do. It's, it's tap, right? remove equipment, and lose counters. No, it's tap, remove from combat, remove all damage. I feel like counters stay. I feel like counters get removed. This is why I don't like regenerate. That's how I've always played it. Um, <laughs> I think it's the next time the creature would be destroyed. Isn't. You instead you remove all damage from it. Uh, and yeah, it does doesn't leave remove the it from combat yeah, it and tap it. The yeah. battlefield, so it tap it, remove damage, and remove it from combat. Okay, I've always 
I've always removed all my counters. So I have too. Oh no! Just, in my head, it just made yeah. sense. Like okay, like huh? Yeah, no, it never changes zones. Well, yeah, I, just, no, 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 no. I know it doesn't change zones. I just thought that regenerate removed counters. Yeah. Like I just thought that was effective regenerate. Yeah, I guess because the regenerate part. Uh, makes me think okay well it died so it lost everything and yeah I'm generating it. Rege regenerate regenerate to me okay. is always meant well, like no. it changed zones but it didn't i i treat it like it changed zones yeah. but it never did it never it doesn't trigger like, those stuff like it virtually yeah. changed zones yeah mm -hmm. uh yeah no re regenerates a, a little bit better than that but it's still so that's, indestructible that's the reason i keep losing <laughs> that's, uh, that's... <laughs> we found it from now on bread is Undefeatable now that he knows how you have a spirit monger deck. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't be misplaying regenerate. I don't know. It, it hasn't come up. Like it hasn't had counters uh, on it when I have to regenerate it. Alright. And then when I have like three yeah. swamps or three black sources open, no one wants to try to destroy it. It's weird. Look, all hmm, I'm saying is I'm disappointed crazy. no one's ever tried to uh, correct me before. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Anyway. Wild. Um I was uh I I don't know if this 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 was in the pre-show. Yeah, I was I was talking to the guys a little bit in the pre-show about the 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 main place where I really really love this effect is my autumnal gloom deck mm -hmm. because uh, once that card flips, it flips into a four four hexproof trample tree <laughs> that I will then Voltron up into like you know an eight six or a, a you know a nine nine seven or something. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point, because it's it's got a ton of toughness and hexproof. Like basically, the only ways anyone has to try and deal with it for the rest of the game is try is to gang block it. Right. You know, you you send your nine seven trampler at them, and they say, "I'll block with both of my four fours, and we'll trade." And you know, I'll I'll lose I'll lose both my creatures, but your you, the threat is over. And you'll say, "Oh oh, sweetheart, <laughs> like you poor you poor thing." What if my guy? What if my massive trampler also had death touch, and also had indestructible, so that I don't actually trade anything, and also you take seven trample damage? Like, it is unreal with this Voltron threat, and having something that's better than Necrobite is very exciting for me. Yeah, it is a very good card. I'm excited about it. I think it's a little, a little more powerful, a little more sneaky powerful than it appears. Yeah, this this will get people. Like this is one of those cards where it'd be like, oh, he's got two mana open, mono black, whatever, it's fine, and then bam, such a blowout mm -hmm. when it happens. Yeah. All right, Dave, you got any uh, commons left for us, or does that wrap it up? That's it. I'm out of commons. All right, on to Liam. What do you got for us? Yeah. So uh, my first common is uh, lo and behold, a common that proliferates. Uh, it is experimental hey, augury, uh, which is. One in the blue for an instant, uh, play the card, anticipate, and then proliferate. Anticipate, for those who don't know what anticipate does, uh, it is look at the top three cards of your library, put oh, one yeah. in the hand, rest in the bottom. A very good card that already sees plenty of play. Uh, this is literally the definition mm -hmm. of strictly better because it also proliferates. And the thing about proliferate is you can just choose zero. You can choose to not proliferate. Sure. So I think this card just automatically, any deck you are running anticipate in, you should just replace it with this. Even if you aren't interacting with counters that much or even at all, uh, the proliferate being a political tool of, hey, if I proliferate a couple of your creatures, will they not come at me for a turn or two? Can be relevant. 
So th- that that's yep. at least happening to all my decks. I run Anticipate in two decks. It, it's getting replaced with Experimental Augury just because it is strictly better. Yeah, and this this card's making waves like not just pop yeah. formats too. Like uh, people that play arena formats are talking about it. Modern players are talking yep. about it. So it is very powerful. Or can um, be very powerful. What do you? Uh, yeah. So Brad, that was your thoughts. Uh, Dave, do you have anything? Yeah, I'm a fan. I I thought for a hot minute like. Am I going to put this in Is It Guild Mage, which already does run Anticipate? Like, am I am I going to find a home for this card as well? And I was thinking about, does that deck have anything to do with counters? And it doesn't except for Everflowing Chalice. Oh, okay. Sure. And that alone makes me really want this card. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, That's it. This one I, might just, even, I like it a lot. Experimental Augury might even find its way into the Popper Cube. I'm not sure yet. I got plenty of wacky counter stuff in there yeah i mean that seems like a good spot for it my next card is carnivorous canopy uh tuna green for a sorcery destroyed target artifact enchantment or creature with flying if that permanence mana value was three or less proliferate um this is basically broken wings broken wings is uh destroyed target artifact enchantment or creature with flying for three mana at instant it does become a sorcery but honestly, most of the times when I'm casting Broken Wings, it is at sorcery speed, which feels bad. <laughs> like, yeah. like I'll, I'll sometimes leave three or four mana up and and you know interact at instant speed. But a lot of the times, Broken Wings is just being cast at sorcery speed. Um, so Carnivorous Canopy doesn't actually feel bad to be a sorcery. But in addition, again, the option to proliferate is there. I think in in the more uh, competitive decks that that would prefer instant speed i think broken wings is still the the choice here uh, but more casual decks where you may not care about instant versus sorcery speed the potential to yeah, proliferate in particular in counter decks seems good i don't know that i would run carnivorous canopy as universally over broken wings like i would experimental augury over anticipate uh, because it is not just oh, it is not sure, just sure, a strictly yeah. better version. There is a, a sorcery speed downgrade, and there is the target has to be mana value three or less to be able to proliferate. But I think if you care about counters yes. in any way, this would be a very good pick for your deck. Yeah, I agree. And the art is sweet too. The, and, the vegetation just totally ate that that rebel and all this. Oh yeah. His armor. Um, but but for those who think, well, mana value three or less, uh, that that's doesn't hit very much. Uh, that hits a lot. Um, it it. Almost pretty much. It every might mana not hit rock. the four four five five flyer that's attacking you, but that does hit every mana rock. That does hit <laughs> a lot of. Um, that does hit a lot of key enchantments. It may not hit, it may not hit uh, East Sphinx itself, but yeah. I mean, much. it should should hit East Sphinx. <laughs> you just don't get to proliferate. Oh, that's true. yeah. But I mean, if you're destroying, good point, good point. you know, something as big as uh, a Shardle and Dragon or a Mirror Enforcer, like you don't deserve to proliferate. <laughs> um but yeah so i i think it's a it's a solid pick for the more uh casual crowd uh vanish into eternity is a card that i really like this is interesting and this is probably one of the bad cards that y'all are gonna like yell at me for uh so this is two and wait for an instant exile target non-land permanent if this spell targets a creature it costs three more to cast so six mana for instant speed exile a creature or three mana instant speed exile target non-land non-creature permanent that is very relevant because a lot of combo pieces do tend to be artifacts and enchantments and a lot of enablers do tend to be artifacts and enchantments and honestly when i'm dealing with scatillos i would rather exile them than destroy them i think this is 
this is definitely not a competitive card, but I do think it is a a decent casual card that could see some play in uh, white X decks. Sure, I'm right there with you. Like word for word, that's pretty much how I. Uh, feel and about it. I I would I would be very curious to uh, understand how the uh, three more to cast interacts with Cascade. I think if I Cascade into this and target a creature i do have to pay the three generic because it because yes, it's an additional, an additional cost. Cost. Yeah, like i i think i i believe that is yes. how that works so this is not like a slam dunk into east sphinx but sure. i mean it i think it still is a slam dunk into east sphinx like if you if you cascade into it and you don't have the three mana up like surely there will be a non-creature non-land to permanent yeah for you i mean it, it is just you know yeah, like yeah. exile free. target non-land non-creature permanent seems really good. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, now that I'm great. thinking about it, my East Sphinx deck runs the um the five mana exile a thing, uh se- secure the scene, five mana sorcery, secure the scene, give, exile give target non-land permanent. Its controller creates a one-one soldier. I feel like I would be a uh, see. I don't know. Cascade into secure the scene, give them a soldier token. Oh well. To just remove any non-land permanent or cascade into vanish into eternity and have to pay three generic if the thing I want to exile is a creature. See, I don't know, because in a Sphinx deck, the only thing the only creature that I'd really want to exile would be flyers or combo pieces. Well, some sometimes the you would be surprised. Um, yeah, the art is Elspeth this, getting exiled. This might be something forever. that like she's never gonna come back in any way. This might be something that I just have to like see how I like secure the scene and then see how I like vanish into eternity and see which one I prefer. I think they occupy the same slot. The next card I want to talk about is Volt Trudge. This is not a new card. Uh, it's a three mana instant for a Bolt with Proliferate attached. I think this could have been one in a red, but it is a reprint from New Phyrexia. It just has new art, and I just wanted to mention the new artwork. Um, yeah, pretty sweet. That 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 art's gonna look really good oh, in yeah. foil. It's very uh, colorful, very colorful, very vibrant. Um, any anything you wanted to mention about that card? It's it's a pretty decently known card. One of the oldest Proliferate cards at common. Yeah, pretty straightforward. Oh, I I'm just looking at that art for the first time. That is oh, outstanding. It's badass, right? Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, okay, and then I have Plano Disruption, which is the pacifism of the set. Uh, it's a one in a white enchant, an artifact, a creature, or a planeswalker. Uh, the enchanted permanent can't attack a block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. Uh, while planeswalkers technically aren't legal in our format, I know plenty of people that run planeswalkers as commandos, which I'm okay with. Uh, sure. So this is actually mm-hmm. relevant in my meta, but in addition, just pacifism on on rate pacifism with extra abilities is always welcome. Um, usually, this kind of thing is is three mana, two two in a white, but this one's one in a white, and and that's that's okay. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Shut. <laughs> I don't tend to play a bunch of pacifism effects. Shut down those vehicles. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just shut them down. <laughs> Turn them off. Turn in the yeah. keys, you're done. Uh, I, I also don't tend to run a lot of pacifism effects, but I think for the Enchantress decks, they'll they'll like this one. Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, this is this is just way better than Arrest. Uh, Anoint with Affliction uh, has irritated the magic community at large with its warding, but... Yeah, this has a lot of but people talking. Honestly, it's the same thing as the Pyro and Hydroblast, so I really don't care. To, to you know, to to me personally, a, a popper player who is familiar with this kind of warding, I I don't care. To people outside of popper, outside of the popper spheres who aren't familiar with this warding, I can see where it would be confusing. Or legacy, well, to be fair. Legacy, to be fair. 
Uh, but it is one in a black for an instant. Exile target creature if it has mana value three or less. Pretty straightforward. Pretty pretty decent. Um, corrupted. Okay. Exile that creature instead if its controller has three or more poison counters. So this card will target anything. It it, it can target any creature because of the word because of the what if on on its on its basic no no corrupted ability on its basic ability it will only exile the target if the target has mana value three or less you can target a nine mana creature with this it just won't exile it It if corrupted is online it will exile the creature regardless of its mana value Uh, i i think this card is fine if your meta tends to run fairly low to the ground or aggressive decks i think this is pretty good outside of that you need to be running a corrupt deck but it's just Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of a cool card it is it's a very cool card i like it quite a bit i wish it was in some way shape or form a little better because i do i'm very interested in running Mm -hmm. it we just have so many better options i mean we don't really have a lot of exile effects in black so that's pretty neat yeah but what were you gonna say dave i want someone to find a way to respond to this card with the sorcery leeches after this card has targeted something that costs four or five mana. This, Why? Because... Why are you like that? <laughs> Some people just want to watch the world burn. Some people just want chaos. I mean, that's his retirement movie. Just got stand up from the table and walk away. It's done. Oh my goodness. Well, that's a rare. So likely they'll have something like Vodok and Ori and it won't matter. The next, the next thing and last comments I want to talk about uh, are a cycle of them. Uh, and the spell bombs are back, but this time instead of spell bombs, the 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 skull bombs, um, which have some pretty wild art that I will admit I'm not a huge fan of. Um, so they're named after the more teeth. Yeah, more teeth. Uh, they're named after the names of the spheres for each uh, respective praetor. So in Wubuk order, it's Basilica skull bomb, Surgical skull bomb, Dross, Furnace, and Maze. Um, they are all artifacts. They all cost one generic to cast. They can. They all have an ability that costs one generic. You can sacrifice them to draw a card. And they all have an ability that is... Uh, well, the, the crappy one is the only one that differs from this. Okay, so they all have an ability that is two generic and their color. Sacrifice them. Uh, target creature gains some ability or you get some ability in the color. They also draw a card and that Second ability can only be activated as a sorcery, whereas the first one, which just a generic sack to cantrip, is instant speed. Uh, so the white one, mm-hmm. its ability is target creature you control gets plus two, plus two, and gains flying until end of turn. The blue one is uh, return target creature to its owner's hand. The black one is return target creature from the graveyard to its uh, to your hand. Uh, the green one is target creature gets plus three, plus three, and trample. And the red one is the crappy one. <laughs> and the reason the red one's the crappy one is because yeah. it's parasitic to the set. Uh, so this is the only yeah. one that doesn't, it doesn't Terrible. cost two in its color. It costs one in its color, but it puts two oil counters on target artifact or creature you control and draw good. So unless you care about those oil counters, yeah. this one sucks. And I really yep. hate that the red one is the one that doesn't work, but it's also kind of flavorful. Like the four predators, oh, the, the, the four predators sure. who are involved in the creation of Atraxa all have uh, mechanical abilities on their skull bombs that walk outside the set. And then the one Praetor, mm-hmm. the red Praetor, who is uh, in, in the story, the the uh, re- rebellious one, doesn't walk outside the set, which I find kind of funny. Um, but I also find it really, really annoying. 
Yeah. Because I'll see plenty of I'll see plenty oh. of all the other four. Um, but I will likely never see the red one. Outside of limited. Yeah, for sure. How do you feel about him as a whole? As a whole, uh, I give him like a solid four out of five. Okay. Yeah, about there. Three and a half, four out of five, something like that. I, I, I don't really see a scenario where I would play a spell bomb over, like a Nihil spell bomb or what have you, over the black one, over the dross yeah. one. But they're such different cards, it's kind of hard to see. Yeah, uh, the blue and the black ones are definitely the, the best out of this whole cycle, with the green being a very close I, second and the white one being kind of okay. I like the green one best, honestly. I feel like I feel like black and blue have better ways to draw cards. So, I mean, if, if you're in a black-blue and you really want artifact synergies, then, you know, bouncing a creature is fine or, you know, raise dead is fine. Yeah, giant growth plus trample for Giant growth terrible. plus trample plus draw a card. Like, this is, this is something that green plus badly wants card. to do and, yeah. like, green desperately wants to do it without spending cards. So, like, yeah. I think that this is... Yeah. I mean, it's it's possible that, you know, what what is that? Uh, Awaken the bear. Like probably yeah. Awaken the bear plus draw a card is worse than you know recover. Recover is you know what raise dead plus draw a card. Yeah, yeah. Awaken the bear plus yes. plus draw a card might be worse than recover. But I feel like green wants this more badly than black wanted another recover. Yeah, black doesn't struggle for for cards like right. Like I'm I'm most excited about the green one. Like I, I'm looking at these and I'm like I'm trying to think of a deck that they could go in. Like the green one desperately wants to go into the Mar Marhalet Elves Dragon deck, oh, right? <laughs> like it's time to get downright nasty. <laughs> and like yeah, and like the, the black one, I'm like, yeah, maybe if I have an artifact synergy deck, I'll I'll throw in the black one. Like like I'll put the black one in like Sludge Strider, I guess. But like, <laughs> see, I'm looking yeah. at the uh, the blue skull bomb, and again, I'm looking at East Sphinx, where I'm like. Looking sideways is like it's an artifact for one mana that can later bounce the Sphinx to my hand if needed. And I don't know if that's horrible the, or if that's okay. Does the Sphinx already run Aether Spellbomb? No. I don't know what Aether Spellbomb does. It's this, but the bounce is instant speed, costs one and doesn't draw your card. Yeah, it costs a single mm -hmm. blue or whatever. I feel like I'd rather an Aether Spellbomb. Part okay. What else you got for us for comments? Uh, that's it. That wraps it up. All right. Now, we're done with the comments. We can get to what commanders uh, we're going to put in front of all these commons. What are we going to put in charge of them? Well, I've got a couple. Yeah, I've got like two total. It's probably like one and a half plus another half. Um, but the first one I'm actually, actually excited to brew with to kind of get my hands on is Jawbone Duelist. It's a generic and a white for a 1-1 Phyrexian Soldier. Not impressive. It's a 1-1. But it's got double strike. I don't know. Okay, it's got toxic one as well. I don't really I don't like Dave. I just want to sharpie that part part out. I don't care much <laughs> about that. For two mana, you get a one one. Like I, I I love the concept. Just for the same reason, I love running my blade, my resolute blade master deck. I love having double strike in the command zone. I don't know why it's never actually won me a game. Like I've won with blade master, but not because of blade master, like because of other things going on. But I, I just love the concept of having double strike in the command zone seems powerful seems like a wildly fun voltron strategy i know we just had a big talk on twitter about voltron strategies but it seems fun there like throw a few ores on it and then you're looking at commander damage every combat you know every time it swings possibly so uh, what do you think dave i i think this is going to be very cool i 
it's to me it's a it's very awkward in that I I see double strike and I want to make the double striker just go big. Like I I built the Viashina Slaughtermaster deck. Sure. Because I wanted that two mana one one double striker, but I wanted it in colors that gave me access to giant growth and brute strength and you know vampire bite thing. Like yeah, I just wanted large yeah, stats, I just wanted yeah. to make it like thick as hell and just yeet someone out of the game instantly. And so like <laughs> to, to me, it's right. weird to see that paired with toxic one. Because like I'm gonna want to you know give it plus two plus two in flying with you know maybe with a spell the skull bomb or whatever, and like to mm-hmm. see it deal like you know way more damage but still only do two poison counters like that it feels like an awkward place for me like I'm excited to see other people build it with it and brew it because I I think it's gonna be very cool I just don't think I'm the person to to really bring out the the full depth of the coolness that is possible with this card so so I'm glad that okay. you're talking That's about fair. it. Because I, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give a give it a day in court, as they say. But I don't know that it'll be good. I'm sure we have a, a whole stack of better mono white Voltron commanders, but uh, just something about that double strike gets me. Have you ever played with the Virtuoso? No, I actually just I looked a few weeks ago because Papa uh, Papa Ryan and I were talking on Twitter about it. I looked and I did not have one, so I finally just picked one up at the shop like two days ago. I haven't had a chance to build it yet, but it looks super. If fun. you're if you like the duelist but want to sharpie out the toxic part, <clears throat> Virtuoso might yeah, be like the one for you. Mono white spell slinger heroic. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It looks, looks yeah. fun as hell. What do you think of the duelists of, of the teeth guy there, Liam? The jawbone. I, I guess I never made the connection that all the porcelain in Phyrexia was like teeth matter. I'm so uncomfortable with so many of these cards. <laughs> if if you look in the background and you look at the uh the wall of the arena there's a chunk of the wall that is just made of teeth yeah like the mm-hmm. ring like the ring around mm-hmm. the tub it's, it's um ring of teeth. i i yeah. am i am not a fan of really any of the commanders of the set like at all okay. <laughs> um that's fair that that will be my comment for most of them all right well i think we can move on i got one that i am actually i like this one more than the duelist or whatever it was yeah the duelist um but it's wildly almost unplayable. And that's Scheming Aspirant. Same mana cost, generic, and a black this time. For a 1-3 Phyrexian Advisor, whenever you proliferate, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. That has everything I want to do, but we literally have five proliferate cards in mono black. So to me, that just says kind of unplayable. And if you're going like, well, let's go the life loss route and I'll just sprinkle in, proliferate, and if it happens, it happens. We have much better mono-black commanders for that strategy. So, unless I'm missing something, Dave, what do you think? I think that the Aspirin is really... I'm gonna... I'll tell you what. I I badly want the Aspirin to do really cool, really powerful things. I do, too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this at the top of the pile of things that we need to keep an eye on. So if okay. you know, I, I mentioned this. This there's this big stack of like Kalanish cards that you know might get the support they need to become a powerhouse in the next couple of years. If we can get mono black commons to really proliferate a lot, I think this guy might have legs. But right now, it's I I I can't build it right now. There's only five cards. And then I almost had a third one here, but I, I think Dave has something prepared for this last one. If you wanna wanna give this one a whirl, and then you can move on to your commanders. Yeah. What do you got for uh, us? Okay, so the one that I am actually excited for, and I'm so full disclosure, I'm pretty much with Liam here. 
I'm not really excited about any of the commanders in this set. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a couple that I am very happy to talk about in in the episode. Like the the one that I am most likely to build is not something that I think I'm very likely to build. Um, <laughs> but I will. I'm I'm very happy to tell you about it. Its name is Oxida Finisher. If you are a fan of the Common Connoisseurs, you probably are already intimately familiar with this card. I think Ryan has already built he it. He has gone nuts uh, with it, yep. This is a 7-mana 7-5. Seven the, the cost is 5 generic and then red-red. For a 7-5 Trampler with Affinity 4 Equipment. <laughs> Wild. That doesn't so if you seem can, okay. <laughs> if you can... If you get five equipment in play, then this 7-5 creature costs two mana, two mana, which leaves you lots of mana left over to pay your equip costs and attack someone for death. Oh, for super death. Yeah. What's, what's, uh, what's commander damage again? 16? 16. If you give this... I mean, all you all you need is a Strider Harness and a, and a Teamer Battle Rage. Like, oh it's God. so easy Gross. to just murk a guy with this giant <laughs> ogre like and like if you kill it like how much how much is it how much could one banana cost michael like four mana, like, four mana? like it still has affinity <laughs> like you could <laughs> kill it a couple times maybe oh. like right like yeah. it's like it's like people killing e-sphinx like that's stupid how are you gonna so, stop this guy i don't know so, team of battle rage raking claws Raking Claws, yeah. Assault Strobe. Assault Strobe, there's one more. Un Uncaged Fury, I think that's all for. No, there's, uh, there's one Buccaneers, more, but it only gives Buccaneers, double strike. Buccaneers Bravado gives it to a pirate, which if and, you're running uh, the, the Amorphous Axe in this deck, the finish of the yeah, pirate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's two equipments that'll turn this guy into a pirate. And there's yeah. there's another double strike -y thing. There's a double strike that can trips, but it only gives double strike to a multicolored To a multicolored, yep. Psychotic Episode, I think. No, Psychotic, Psychotic Fury. Psychotic Fury. Fury, Fury. that's it. Yeah, episode is the madness thing that manipulates yeah. hands and top yeah, heads. but still like um, four that are guaranteed to give a double strike. Even running off four seems like overkill. No, I'm running all four. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, because no, because like like you you need double strike once, maybe twice to kill off a couple of uh, opponents. But by the time you get to the third opponent, you don't need double strike. You've right. got the equipment. You know, we keep getting yeah. big big guys like this too. You know, and it, it like started with Dargo, and then we got like East Sphinx and Sailor's Bane, and now the Finisher. Like, yeah. we keep getting these gigantic bodies for minimal investment, right? Yeah. right. Which for doing something like, you want to do already, like if you want to build a yeah. mono red equipment deck, hey, look, here's your literally your finish. <laughs> we got there. We got there. Speaking of equipment, there's a card that I want to talk about. That's um, this is this is my my prerogative as a rules committee member who does not give a single solitary flip about the rules at all right. and never has uh i want to tell you about the other commander that i'm loki intrigued by and that is called blade hold war whip wait, which is not a commander equipment. at <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> the point right so i'm a filthy cheater um this is not a creature this is a the, the the signature the signpost uncommon in Boros colors. Uh, every, the other the other nine color pairs got signpost uncommons that are creatures that are legal commanders. Boros got a four Mirrodin equipment, which is kind of like a creature, kind of. Mm -hmm. This is a 
three mana equipment. It costs one, a red, and a white for a four Mirrodin equipment. It gives you that 2-2 two, two red rebel creature when it comes in and it auto-attaches. It's good that it auto-attaches because the equip cost is five. Yeah, it's up there. But it has two abilities, and they are equip abilities of your other equipment are reduced by one. Okay. Or sorry, equip costs. Yeah. Other equip equipment. costs are reduced by one of other equipment. Yeah. And your equipped creature has double strike. See? It's double strike in the command zone, I'm telling you. That's where it's at. Well, double strike in the command zone. <laughs> so the thing... I, I am I am sorely tempted to build this as, as a, a rule zero commander and just have an equipment in the command zone because it makes its own body. The, the part that is... Like probably going to you know shut down the whole idea and make it so that it basically doesn't ever count at all is that if I built this I would want it to be a commander damage deck and I think that trying to pull commander damage shenanigans when my commander is an equipment and it just gives me a two two token I think that that's going to cause a lot of like angry arguments and screaming matches that I don't want to deal with yeah that's possible like, yeah right because like I I would be fine with letting you run it as the commander but then you're like oh but it does commander damage it's like my rule zero draws a line and that crosses it right like there's 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 a lot like, of like like if you animated it that'd be fine okay. but go. but you have to animate it first oh i don't think you can in red white with comments i, I don't think so you like, can yeah, either. Rule zero I in would, another color just a rule if I, in this in the command zone if i built this i, I, I even even if you were like to negotiate this whole idea where like you know that particular token got to deal commander damage like there's a whole bizarre mess of like fruity nonsense of like you know what happens if you flicker the equipment you get a second creature is that also now your commander that deals commander damage yeah. like do both of them well, do it well, like the, what if the, the, the next right? thing is like the if, whole... if the original creature dies you make a second one is it still the same commando or because is it's it the token, same is it, is it a different commander Right. right like there's so many like even and that's that's the problem like you know liam liam says that crosses my rule zero line i would not allow that and like that's completely fair but like my my problem is even assuming you got a whole group of people who are like yeah whatever the token deals commander damage that's fine there are still like seven different rules headaches that you have to negotiate with them beyond that point. Yeah. And I don't want to deal with any of that. So like, uh, <laughs> I so I think it's a, I that. think it's a cool idea, but like, I, 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 I don't think it's going anywhere. Sure. So hell of a, rest hell in of peace, Bladehold Warwhip. It's a good idea. Glad. Good, good talk. I have, uh, next up on this list, I have a rapid fire set of like, you know, four other cards that I think deserve to be mentioned. These are things that I'm probably not going to build. I, I kind of just want to go through them. Sure. Uh, do we want to hear about Liam's first, or do we want to just finish mine up and then we'll move to Liam? I will let run you all arm wrestle for it. Okay, run, run through, through mine. Okay. okay, first up on the list, Paladin of Predation is a mono green. This costs seven mana, and it doesn't have affinity for anything. <laughs> so it Thank God. just does, in fact, actually cost seven mana. Seven mana in mono green gets you a six seven creature with some form of evasion. Mm -hmm. It cannot be blocked by creatures with power two or less. So you can't block it with little guys. And PS, by the way, this six seven has toxic six. Toxic freaking six. So that's a big number. That is a huge number. Um, and see, that's where. Because this was spoiled early on in the set in this in the spoiler season, and all this creature has to do is one damage to a player, and they get six poison counters. 
Yeah. <laughs> this card, if you can give this thing trample and then you cast ram through. This is like, no joke. Like, no joke at bonk. all. Bonk. <laughs> yeah. You give this guy Viridian Longbow, just like tap him for six poison counters. Like, oh, it's, it's, it's not small. Weapon, thankfully. Oh, it does have to be. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So ram through and Viridian Longbow. But don't yeah, work. first of all, it can't be uh, blocked by two power, two or less. You know, so that's going to be a decent yeah. percentage of boards you're facing. And then all they got to do is just kind of boink them. And here's some poison. Yeah, it's really good with trample. It's super good with trample. So yeah, I think this card deserves mention. I know that there's a lot of there's a lot of Timmies out there who are really enthusiastic about just. There's so many big numbers on this card. Yes, there it's, are. <laughs> it's got a lot of people really excited about the big numbers. Uh, I am not among them. I think that it's. I think the gameplay with this card is just always going to be exactly the oh, same. I don't. Yeah. I think you will not be doing anything different. I think this. I think this deck would be entertaining exactly twice, yeah. and then I would be profoundly bored of it. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna pass on the Paladin of Predation. But if that. If giant numbers are your thing, this guy's got all kinds He's of giant got numbers. Got him for sure. Next on the rapid fire list, Cephalopod Century is an Azorius four mana Star Five Flyer. The star. Is equal to the number of artifacts you control. So uh, it comes in as a one-five to begin with, because it is yeah. in itself as an artifact. It is an artifact. Uh, just yeah, if you got five artifacts, you got a five-five flyer. There you go. Doesn't have any other abilities. If you're um, really into Azorius artifacts, you can do this. I want to pitch in that this commando has already existed since Horizons. Yeah, since Horizons two, this commander was known as a filigree attendant, also a four mana, uh, but just two blue blue, so mono blue. Also flying, but it was a star three where the star was also equal to the number of artifacts. Yep. Um, yep. So this is if, if got, you're already running filigree attendant, this is just a strict upgrade. You got a you got another color. You got two more toughness, and you got the creature type squid. There you go. So it's literally an upgrade along every axis. That's right. <laughs> yep. If you want to play Azorius artifacts, I cannot imagine any reason you would choose this over E Sphinx. But yeah, if you sure. If you really like squids, then I mean, I I have a giant squid tattooed on my arm. I really like squids. Now with maybe maybe that describes you as well. With E Sphinx, I've never played with the deck. I've lost to it, but I've never played with the actual deck itself. Is that the type of deck where you know it's it's obviously a CPDH build? You want to play it competitively, but if you sat down at a yeah, lesser competitive table, casual table, could you just swap the cephalopod into the command zone instead of E Sphinx, and it would be less competitive or does that deck would that deck not really function with the cephalopod so first of all i i will disagree that e-sphinx is inherently competitive uh my my e-sphinx deck is extremely casual okay i've run i guess maybe no I've counter only, spells i've only lost run, to like, like the the hardcore ones yeah i mean drainer who is a, a brilliant tactician mm -hmm. has uh he has popularized a very competitive build of it and i i love that build it's it's fantastic mm -hmm. but i i I should. I went a very different direction with my build. Okay. I run. I run no counter spells. I run no interaction. I just run meaty, thick, <laughs> wide boys. Awesome. And that's that's it. Like, yeah, it's it's intensely brain dead. I guess, <laughs> which which I love about it. I think that a lot of cards would would underperform substantially if you just tried to do a straight commander swap okay. uh, to answer your actual question. So like the E-Sphinx wants to be running a bunch of like top deck manipulation, mm -hmm. things like pondering oh, mage put your big cascade targets or up there and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Like brainstorm or dream cash. 
And those those cards, I mean, they they still function. There's no deck where Brainstorm is bad. Oh, for sure. But like, it's it's a lot less good in a Squid deck than a Sphinx deck. Right. The next commander I want to mention briefly is called Charforger. This is a uh, Rakdos flavored three mana two three. It gives you a one one red Phyrexian Goblin creature token on ETB. Mm-hmm. This is one of the oil counter guys. So like, yeah, this is this is if if ever there was a card in which you want to run the red skull bomb, this is this is that <laughs> deck. Yeah, the oil counters happen when another creature or artifact you control hits the graveyard, which makes those skull bombs extra double good in this deck. Right. So that that puts every time that happens, you get an oil counter on the charforger. You can remove three oil counters to impulse draw something mm-hmm. so exile the top card of your deck you can cast it this turn or you can play it this turn so even if it's a land you can get it yeah I, I feel like if you are just absolutely in love with oil counters and you want to bring them to pdh this may be obvious but this is probably your best option this is i think where the oil counter deck lives yeah. in the chart because there are you know obviously we've talked about them already but the single mana proliferate spells there's one i think it's a single red for like do something and then put two oil counters on target permanent or still there's all kinds of stuff like that like you'd have to be yeah the oil counter deck but i think this is your option yeah so if if you wanted to go hard on oil counters i think i think this of all the of all the commanders i've described so far as like the of as kalein ish i think this is the most kalein where you can go hard specifically into oil and then hope that we get more oil later oh that's fair um yeah. uh so yeah personally i i love the idea of this card i i love the idea of rakdos sacrifice I love that this is a, a card advantage engine that will help you, you know, keep you in gas in the late game. Mm-hmm. I am, I feel like personally, I am saturated with red black sacrifice decks. Like I, don't, I feel like I don't need been. more that's of those. All it's been for yeah. the last few years, like every single Rakdos creature yeah. has been sacrifice this, sacrifice that. Yep. Like this is a this is a cool new take on it, and like the the one thing I really appreciate about this. Uh, compared to a lot of the others, is that this one really, really incentivizes the idea of gl- grave flickering. So the you know the undying malice and feign your own death and uh, all the all the you know abnormal endurance, demonic gifts, all of these little instants that will let you you know sacrifice something and then bring it right back into play. Sure. If the things that you're sacrificing have ETB value. Then the, you're getting value off the char forger. You're getting value off of them with the grave flicker cards, or if someone tries to kill your char char forger, then you can hit the grave flicker. You get your char forger right back, and you get the goblin. Like that, right. that this guy brings in a friend. He has his own ETB. I think is a huge help. Oh, for, for sure. This card. For sure. Definitely some cool stuff there. Uh, I personally probably won't build it, but I I might I might design for it actually. Yeah, it might be just something well, well, I put up on Moxfield, but not in paper sort of thing. This feels like the kind of thing where, like, I would sit down and I would be like, you know, I want to, I'll do a scryfall search for everything with the word oil in it, <laughs> and that, and like, that's how I would end up with a deck that just like randomly has like lava coil. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like roiling eruption, and you'd be like, what? How did you? And you'd be like, well, it oil. says oil right here. <laughs> you'd be like, God, you're dumb. Like, and you'd be like, yeah, well, it's Charford. What do you want from me? Like, <laughs> and not for nothing, it is a beast. So we do have some beast synergies at common at red, I think. So not a ton, but there are uh, a couple. <laughs> they're bad. They're super bad. I have, yeah. I have a shellskin bruiser deck. Oh, it's... no. <laughs> 
it's uh, it's not good. Awesome. <laughs> All right, Liam, how's how's your mic? I think it's better. Oh, you are nice. so better. Tell us, tell us about Charforger. It's oil counters. Yeah, that's <laughs> about it. <laughs> I, I have nothing to add. Back to you, Dave. Yep. Okay, one more, real quick. Okay. I'm gonna. I feel like this has gone long, so I'm trying to trying to speed through these last couple. Uh, last thing I want to talk about: Tainted Observer. Mm. Tainted Observer is our signpost uncommon for the worst color pair, Simic. This is a three mana two three flyer with toxic one, which is already a mess. Yeah. Somehow worse than that is the art on this card, and somehow impossibly worse than the art on this card is its final ability. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you can pay two mana. If you do proliferate, uh, this is gonna get so out of hand. gonna get out of hand. You're gonna you're gonna hit each player once and give them a poison counter, and then you're just gonna proliferate 37 times, <laughs> and all of your opponents are gonna be like, you know, we were dead 26 of those times ago, right? And you're gonna be like, what? I can't count. I play Simic. I, play Simic. I, I proliferate count. again. I got infinite tokens and, and it's infinite gonna... mana, so I'm just doing it. Right? Like it's gonna be so. Yeah, it's. Yeah, Brad said out of hand. I think out of hand is the right word for this. Yeah. Like, this is I didn't even. This is another one that's got the uh, the competitive world kind of buzzing. Yeah. wise. This is this is gonna make waves in the CPDH yeah. scene for sure. The thing that I like didn't realize when I read this, it took it took Liam pointing this out on the Discord server for me to put this together. Is the card Shrieking Drake? Mm-hmm. Is just a one one blue mana for a one one flyer that when it enters you bounce a creature to your uh-huh. hand. So if if it bounces itself, you just get to proliferate. Yep. As many times as you have three mana. Yeah, that is. And you're in Simic, so I can true. only assume that that's thirty-two times. <laughs> like. Yep. Do, do you know what makes yeah. me even more upset about this card? Hmm. So it's three mana, right? Commander, yeah. Commander's three mana. There's another uh-huh. card in this set that's called Prologue to Phyresis. It's a two mana instant at common. Each opponent gets a poison counter and cantrips. Yeah. So turn two, you uh, give all your opponents a poison counter. Turn three. Ton three, don't even drop this. Ton three, drop a mana rock. Ton four, make infinite mana win. <laughs> I, yeah. The, yeah. Like, yeah. I got nothing else. Yeah, no, this thing is a. And it's like this this proliferate ability triggers when a creature enters. Yes. So, like, if you're ghostly flickering an Archaeomancer. Don't even. Don't even well, you know me. what's funny is Peregrine Drake untaps five lands. Ghostly Flicker costs three, and the Proliferate costs two. That's five mana. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Like I wasn't even thinking of going infinite with the Flicker. I'm just, I'm like, I'm imagining, you know, you're in Simic, so you have thirty mana, whatever. Yeah. You have, if you're Ghostly Flickering, so Ghostly Flicker costs three. If the two creatures you hit, you know, if you pay this Proliferate cost on each of them, you have a seven mana loop, and if you're seven. If your seven mana loop is I ghostly flicker Archaeomancer and uh, Pollen Bright Druid, <laughs> then for seven mana you have proliferated three times, and you still have ghostly flicker in your hand, and you can just do it again. Yep, sure can. Like, yeah, it's an ETB trigger. It's not a cast trigger, uh-huh. so like you can just flicker things and then proliferate off of the flicker. It's gonna, yeah, it's out of hand. Yep. Yeah, and somehow worse than all of that is the art. Yeah. Like, don't don't look at this card. It's gross. It's totally gross. Yeah. So, uh, that is the very end of all the commanders. I am finished talking. All right, Liam. I see, uh, based on the show notes, you have quite the extensive list of commanders you want to play with. I sure do. My extensive list is uh, they all suck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Rip. 
commanders if, from if one. I was told I have to mention one, so I'm going to mention the Slaughter Stinger. Uh, it's the Selesnia Signpost Uncommon. It deals with toxic. Um, there are exactly eleven toxic creatures. Mm-hmm. It. Yeah. I was told I had to mention one. Toxic, toxic attacks. It gets plus one plus one. It's. That's I was it. told I had to mention one, so I threw a dart at a board. Yep. Um. <laughs> it's only it's only two mana for a two two, and it's a cleric. If if you care about that, I, is it a cleric? I do like it is a, it is a cleric. cleric. That's that's yeah. that's awful. <laughs> so I there's there's eleven toxic creatures, but there's a lot of things that make mites. No, not not there's there's three of those. There's three things that make yep. mites. Yep. Sure is. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, never mind. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll put we'll put him on the bottom of the coin pile, and maybe yeah. this will be useful someday. Right. It's. It's pretty bad. <laughs> well, I think that wraps up our all will be one review. I think the um, the overall consensus yeah. is that it's I aggressively think, medium. That's the verbiage. I think I think Liam saying they all suck is just the perfect way to end this. <laughs> like that really that really brings the whole discussion together. It's like like Lebowski's like, rug. I don't want to take anything away from people that are excited to brew with them because I can see potential. <laughs> but. <laughs> I can see potential like I can see potential in my fish's ability to climb a tree. Right, right. It's there somewhere. Oh, all right. We're going to move into the outro, but before we do that, we got a little bit of news for you. Well, it looks like our buddy, our Twitter buddy, our spell table buddy, our PDH buddy, Dallas Walker, is putting on another Riches to Rags tournament in March, uh, early to mid March. March 12th, as a matter of fact, starts at 11 a.m. in uh, South in philadelphia i was trying to find the address we'll put the details and everything down in the show notes but the first one seemed to be hugely popular this one i think uh, liam told me they're doubling their capacity on this one i believe so yep um, they're doing up to a thousand dollars in prizes and it is a pauper commander tournament so show up with your hundred cards and, and try to uh, wreck some they are also raffling a strixhaven box a japanese strixhaven box so that'll be fun and then the um if we can get this flyer out to you, it also has a QR code that I assume takes you all to all the information and sign up and all that good stuff. But you only got about six weeks, yep. so figure out your deck, practice it up, and um, go out there and wreck some face. Tell them we sent you for sure. Yep, check all the socials. Uh, I'll yep. be posting it left and right. I'm sure Brad and, and Dave can do the same. Yeah, absolutely. It's an excellent event. I'm glad to see that he's putting on another one of these. It seems like it. the first one was successful enough to not only do another one, but to try to do another one that's double the size. Yeah. So that spells good things for the format. You going to make it to this one, Dave? Uh, I'm looking at the the driving time between Boston and Philly, and like, as tempted as I am, that's a, that's a heck of a drive. Yeah. What's, what's that drive time? Five and a half hours. Oh. It's five and a half hours, <laughs> but it's through New York City, so I think <laughs> that means it's actually like... It's like eight hours. hours. Like yeah. <laughs> you probably want to get a hotel. Yeah. Like, maybe I could, uh, I could look into Amtrak. But yeah. then, like, then I'd have to do, you know, Amtrak. Like, I'd, I'd have to find a place to stay. I don't know anyone well, in Philly. Well, doesn't doesn't Amtrak do nights as well? So, like, you could just get back on Amtrak. At, oh, you could just after sleep on the train home. And just sleep on the train. Yeah, home. That, that's that's how I want to experience that's a magic exactly tournament. Having, you want to do having <laughs> not slept on a train the night before, <laughs> and then I can look forward to not sleeping on a train on the way back. It's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> sounds like an experience. Sounds like a hell of a weekend. All right, that's what we got. So we're gonna move on into the outro here. If you need anything else or you want to yell at us about our picks for uh, All Will Be One, you can email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com. You can head on over to the uh, PDH Homebase's website. You'll find their Discord server there. 
Uh, on Twitter, you can find Liam as Popper Command and find me as Popper underscore B. Everywhere else PDH is being talked about, you can find Dave as the Alcadron. So I'll put all the links down in the show notes. And then I guess as this brings episode 34 to a close, we'd like to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, be toxic but not salty, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace. Cheers. See you. I brought proper text at the party. Pop. I brought proper text at the party. They all suck.